0: stepped away from it, fires, and it is caught on the deflection. Jalen Pope, the touchdown, off the hands of Malik Muhammad.
1: This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Has time, delivers across the middle, and the catch is made by Tyler Morris, who tightroves down the sidelines. Touchdown, Michigan. What a play.
2: 365 Sports is presented by IdealMRI.com. High-quality MRIs for $497 or less. IdealMRI.com. Your health is important. So is your budget.
3: was thrown for 398.
4: Trying to get above 400. And he's on target. Oh, the catch with Ryan Watts.
1: 65 sports, he's also brought to you by Texas Farm Bureau Insurance, protecting Texans since
0: 1952. High punt, and it's lost again, it picked up with the one yard line. Well, it wasn't a turnover, but it sets up McCarthy a long way away, that was Jake Thaw back there, not
1: Morgan this time. If you subscribe to our YouTube channel, search 365 Sports on YouTube. Brought to you by TFNB, your bank for life. Three
5: Michigan tight ends in the ballgame. they handed to Korn again
1: and makes the cut. First down. Spence state scores. Blake core puts Michigan on top in overtime. 365 Sports is turbocharged by Unite Private Networks. Find out more at UnitePrivateNetworks.com.
3: Advance to the national championship game. Ewers loves
0: it up and it is incomplete. Intended for Mitchell. Elijah Jackson had the coverage. Washington hangs on and wins the All-State Sugar Bowl with a college football playoff. Semi-final.
1: now here's David Smoke Paul Catalina and
6: Craig Smoke congratulations big blue Michigan Jim Harbaugh the Wolverines were better last night and watching that game a couple of things come to mind and I'm exhausted from always winning predictions I like last night I was the one that went with Michigan and it, it, I say that in jest but they did exactly what I was concerned about if I was Washington. They ran the ball down their throat, 300-plus yards, which makes you still wonder what in the hell Texas and Steve Sarkisian were doing in the semifinals. And then number two, they were getting to Penix. And I don't care who the quarterback is, Tom Brady or whoever, you get to them, they feel it, they're not as comfortable, and you could tell from the beginning he wasn't quite as comfortable.
5: Well, not getting sacked is one thing, you know, and, and- – I guess that's that's a check mark in the box for Washington that he didn't really, but um, it's just as bad when you get pummeled physically like he did, and you saw him walking off the field. I mean, he was uh, just in a lot of pain, and uh, you know, gutted through the last quarter of that game uh, with probably uh, uh, several things that were hurting all at once, and then that last hit would just mm. look like it, it just. Punished him uh, so badly, but Michigan was the most efficient team this year. They're the best team up front on both sides of the ball, consistently uh, all through all through the season. Uh, you know the you know, people like me had doubts about you know their ability to really hang with teams that were super athletic, given their schedule and. Um, you know they didn't really get challenged all that much but really you look back on it and they were just better than everybody else from and pretty much start from to finish, start yep. to finish that's who they were uh, and they were dominant and they they because of their efficiency and the way that they play make you pay for your mistakes much more than other teams do so a team like Washington that uh, can get a little wild sometimes the team like Michigan makes them pay for their mistakes just like Alabama didn't have to pay for their mistakes the until the week before Michigan because they're so painfully efficient and the little things they do them all right they don't have penalties they don't have turnovers they don't do those things so when you don't have those opportunities against Michigan it's it's going to be tough to beat somebody like that
4: uh yeah congrats to the Michigan Wolverines on their national title no asterisk uh, they went out and they earned that i know there's going to be a lot of conversation in certain circles but i'm just going to acknowledge what it is they were the best team in college football after last night and The best team wasn't in the playoffs, says Georgia fan or Ohio State fan or whoever, but Michigan could only play who was in front of them. They went out and beat every single one of the teams they had to play. So they went unbeaten. They beat another unbeaten, and they did it convincingly last night. So it is a a big blue celebration and a first time in a long time moment to watch last night, which was pretty cool if you kind of take out all the extra noise of just seeing that program, which hasn't experienced that type of success in I mean, almost three decades now at this point. That's a long time to go without a title. And so just kind of unique and cool to to see that for the first time in such a long time and in the first time in this CFP era. So, uh, yeah, that was a mildly entertaining game, somewhat entertaining game, uh, a disappointing game, certainly from the Washington perspective. Uh, they didn't do what they needed to do to win the game. And I felt like yesterday I, I told you all I had – felt like Michigan was going to win, and I just felt here lately, like, I, I'm going to go with Washington. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt that they're going to be able to connect on some big plays, that they're going to be able to to slow down Michigan and the run game. And right out of the gates, Michigan's <laughs> running all over them. I'm like, oh, God, I, I could not have been further off on that. But they actually stemmed that off after a while. Like they actually played pretty well defensively throughout the rest of that game after the the start was so rough getting down 14 to nothing. But the biggest thing to me that didn't happen wasn't not stopping the run, even though Michigan obviously uh, piled up yardage. It was that they didn't hit on their big plays. Uh, They did not connect on any of the big play opportunities. Down the field, Michael Penix was just not accurate because he was either hurt or getting pressured or just not making the right throw uh, or making the, the best throw. And you can chalk that up to all the reasons I mentioned or whatever other reasons you want to chalk that up to, but it just wasn't their night. Uh, they did not play the sharpest game, and Michigan deserves a lot of credit for why that was. I also think the combination of Washington not playing their best game mm-hmm. uh, was the double whammy, and that led to a game that Michigan pretty much controlled throughout. I mean, jumped out early, obviously. Washington made that little bit of a comeback, and you're like, all right, bam, we're off of the races. Here we go. And then they could just not – get over that hump, and so, yeah, credit to the Wolverines, Uh, a definite night for Washington Huskies fans out there where you're like, dang, man, like, I wish this could, you know, I wish that, I wish this, and why did we, or why wasn't that, and um, that's going to be tough to live with, but it was a great run for them still regardless, Uh and I just wish it was a little bit more of a competitive game, but there there was some moments there that you know that that was fun, and um, the better team did win at the I, end of the day.
6: I thought that uh, maybe what midway or so, late third quarter, it was still twenty to thirteen, whatever the score was, and I thought you know Penix is going to hit one of those looping long passes down the sideline, and he did do a uh, to, to a doozy, and and, and yet yeah, it was a Dunze, but he was called back because of holding, and it, it was a pretty good grab. Here is a stat about Michigan football that is. Mind-boggling. Throughout 15 games this year, they had five offensive turnovers. Now, that I don't know how many muff punts or whatever because they did. Five. Five. Some teams had multiple games of five. They also were penalized on average three times per game over 15 games. Now, there were many times when they dictated the game so early and then they could just not take a lot of risk and, and not. But, you know, Get it? Pass interference, holding, forty-five penalties, five offensive turnovers. Is a best from Cole Kublik. That's about as uh, as good a stat as you could have. How are you going to be good? Those are two reasons well, you can be pretty good. Oh, well, like Jim Harbaugh
5: did what he said set, set out to do and brought his team back to Providence, and it's through things like that, the little things. That's why you know when whatever changed after the Connor Stallions information came out, Michigan didn't miss a beat because they're already set up. Like that was. It just kind of proved they didn't really need to do that. They were that good. But, like, that was kind of the cherry on top of their, you know, the the information they had. But they were just so efficient and so strong up front that you don't have the problems that other teams have. And because of that, you can sift through your coach being suspended for half of the regular season. And you can sift through all these other things because everything was set up so well and the team was so in lockstep with each other. I mean,
6: you know, they just... They just didn't have moments of panic really during the year. They handled Ohio State even though that wasn't easy. They handled their business there. They had, you know, a game earlier this year against Bowling Green when they messed up a lot as far as turnovers, but they just pretty much were from start to finish a buzzsaw. And 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 they were for the most part for most of last night. I never felt like Washington threatened them even when it was 20-13 to 13 and Michigan was starting to have to not be able to move the ball as well and got away from the run as they started throwing the ball a lot more than I ever thought they would.
4: Uh, they should have had way more than 45 penalties just based on some missed calls last yeah. night. There were a couple in there that you're like, how did that not get called? But that wasn't the deciding factor in the game, I don't believe. But there, there were some moments there where you're like, that's not far from the ref, and like the jersey's clearly being yanked, so... You know, there there were some things like that, but again, that did not affect the the outcome. I just when I see that forty five penalties all season, I was like, there should be forty seven or forty eight probably watching <laughs> that game last night. But you know, it is what it is, and uh, they went out and they they took it and they earned it. And I know there's, you know, again, there's always going to be a segment of of people who are going to... Eh, it's it's a national championship. There is no asterisk. They're the champs. They're going to be in the almanacs and the record books and the websites and whatever else you're going to go to when it says 2023. It's going to be the Michigan Wolverines. And they went out and they beat Alabama. And they went out and they beat an undefeated Washington team and beat everybody that was in front of them and in their way. So uh, tip of the cap to that defense, to uh, Blake Coram and that running game. Uh, J.J. McCarthy is one of the most like, just their quarterbacks of all time. I mean, he, like, really, you forget that he's even there. Am I wrong? I mean, as far as, like, having to make plays, until he makes a play, like, mm-hmm. the pick first down run, and you're like, oh, there's J.J. McCart, because they just played defense and ran the ball, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, he had to do, just just handle it. Not, not that he's like a, you know, uh, what do you call it? What's the phrase? Bus driver. Yeah, he's not, he's a bus driver, but he no. kind of is. In so many ways, but he's he just doesn't have to be the guy like Penix had to be the guy, you know, yeah. and so he was able to just be a part of that overall team effort where with Washington, you felt like they needed guys to jump out and make plays and they just didn't get that he, last. He's,
5: he's kind of like a 70 year old man's iPhone like, look, they're there. He's not using all the apps. They're not using all the apps, but you can
6: still call them. Yeah. Let me tell you this, though. The, the, the run he made when they oh, were yeah, down inside huge. their own 10, that he broke away and went for about 15 to 25, whatever it was, was a back play. He threw the ball a lot better. There were times when it looks like he was erratic, but he threw the ball a lot better because they could run the ball. You, anyone could throw the ball. But there were a couple of plays on that drive because, like, the next, I think, snap, he went 10 or 12 yards for a first down. He's got that moxie in him yeah, uh, and and uh, was, was really, really good. But the- I was just
4: thinking from, like, a typical a national championship matchup, I'm just so used to us going Michael Penix and Trevor Lawrence and, like, all yeah. these big-time oh, quarterbacks. Yeah. And J.J. McCarthy is going to be mentioned with big-time quarterbacks, but he's just not that, like – the Heisman Trophy winner, you know what I mean? But he's very good at his role on that team, and he's not a bus driver because I feel like that's a negative kind of a term. He's a better player than that, and he his feet came up huge in that game last night. But I was just sitting there thinking of, like, I can't remember the last quarterback on a big-time team who I just didn't think about as much during the course of a game is, is what I'm getting at because you're thinking about the who, defense or quorum or Who was or more others. of an
6: effective person for their offense, and this is from Paxton, J.J. McCarthy or Stetson Bennett? I mean, Stetson Bennett put up bigger numbers, but
5: they're also – they asked him to do different things.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's, it's kind of splitting hairs there. Uh, I don't know. I guess you're – like what Paul said, you're asking them to do different things. And I, I don't mean that as a slight on J.J. No, McCarthy. No. It's just that I just forget about him until he made the plays that he made because they were just so efficient doing what they were doing, running the football and throwing it around when they needed to, but just playing solid defense. And, um, yeah, he, he has a, an electric personality – and uh, it's easy to see why he's a fan favorite and why that team uh, is is able to uh, play so well off him and with him. And, and just that team seems like it gets along. And obviously they've been through a heck of a lot together. So it, despite the, the fact that there's some people who immensely dislike the head coach or other facets of that, there's a lot of really likable guys on that team. And I was happy to see a Blake Corum mm-hmm. or a J.J. McCarthy be able to celebrate that uh, regardless of all the other noise, and uh, man, certainly deserving of it, uh, put on a really you know nice performance last night,
6: and it was also good for Edwards to blow open uh, what has been kind of a frustrating year for him. Those two holes that he ran through after bouncing outside were phenomenal. Here is, and we got two or three topics from this. Sam Con will join us at three thirty. Brett McMurphy at around four twenty. Uh, uh, Kendrick Simpkins is a commitment to Baylor from Western Kentucky. will join us at about four o'clock today and we'll have much more Jake, Butt, former Michigan tight end and big 10 network will join us a little bit after five. Craig's top, uh, Craig's off the radar. Paul's top five will also be a part of it. Here is the top 25. Now, well, initially the teams that are connected either now or will be with the big 12 to highlight Texas at three, Arizona, 11, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, 15-16, and then you have Kansas State, 18. I put SMU in there because of Texas, SMU at 22, and Kansas at 23. Among that top 25, and I think there's some arguments of who could be where in the top five. Of course, there always are. Who among Texas, Missouri, Arizona, and SMU or Kansas, in your opinion, outdid their expectations the most.
5: Arizona.
6: That's what I I mean, it's like there's not even a question of
5: that. Like people, you know, Jed Fish wasn't even expected to make a bowl game. I'm sure there were plenty of people like, well, maybe he's not the guy. Not only is he the guy, he's now, Arizona's now going to have to fend off other programs for Jed Fish in years to come. Noah Fafita, yeah, it's Arizona for sure.
4: Yeah, I'd have to say Arizona. Uh, nobody was thinking about them being a top 25 type of team, much less a top you know, 11 team uh, as they ended up finishing. So I think that that's a, an incredibly good year for them and a lot of momentum riding into next year they can build off of with their – You know, main core players all set to come back, especially starting with Noah Fafita, their fantastic quarterback. Um, But, yeah, that was not on the docket, I don't think, for anybody, even those who follow Arizona football closely. Nobody could have said – that uh, they were going to finish borderline top ten by the end of the year, so uh, massive success for Jed Fish, and also the fact they've held on to him through a coaching carousel when you know his name kind of got thrown up there a little bit. I'm not sure if there was ever anything really serious out there for him, but um, you know they, their coaching staffs already started to get poached a little bit because mm-hmm. of the success that they had. Um, and I'm you know, very much looking forward to how they try to build off that this offseason and, and get ready for this new conference. But, yeah, I think it's far and away, Arizona.
6: Missouri, of course, with a great run up to number eight, and we're around the top ten most uh, of the year. Now, couple of notes, uh, Jim Harbaugh from Austin Meek. He was asked whether or not he'd be willing to meet with Charlie Baker of the NCAA about player compensation. I think they know my number. Then Ross Dellinger responded, What the NCAA needs is to convince a group of diverse schools, each with varying resources located in a different cultural footprint with presidents, commissioners who struggle in commonality to agree on a model. It needs consensus from a group notorious for differences. Well, yeah, that's why that nothing ever really gets done in in the NCAA
5: because, um, you know, when you... When you're at the NFL owners meeting and you're trying to determine something, there's 32 owners. And so you're probably going to, you know, bet that 25 of them probably agree because they're all kind of the same, right? And then there's probably a group of five that are in the middle. And then there's always the kind of the bargain basement guys that don't want things. And you just have to kind of convince these two guys to go along with everything and then move on. And then famous stories about Jerry Jones and, and, and Mike Brown, Mm -hmm. you know, basically like Mike, shut up. I'll teach you how to do this. Just vote on it. Let's get, let's go out to the, you know, strip club. Uh, And then they move on. But when you've talked about, college athletics it's way more than 32 and so you have to get all these people to agree and you know the organizational mission mission of the atlanta falcons and the cincinnati bengals and the seattle seahawks is all the same the organizational mission of stanford and iowa state and miami and
6: kennesaw state and all these other people are all varying degrees of different and in the nfl everybody gets the same pie yeah, exactly. Everybody gets the same pie. And in some cases, players or teams in the uh, in college football do too when it comes to the college football playoff uh, and, and the payouts to various conferences. But it can be a little bit different. Here's a note from Brett McMurphy, who's going to join us today at 420. Uh, this was to on an article about Harbaugh and winning the national title. Uh, this is part an Alabama official told Brett McMurphy, look, uh everyone and I mean everyone is stealing signs. Michigan was not the only school doing this. Then added, an industry source, Kansas basketball cheats more than anyone and they didn't get do anything to Kansas. The only pure thing in college athletics is Vanderbilt and Vanderbilt sucks. That's where college athletic is now in 2024. If you're not cheating, you're not trying, or you're Vanderbilt. (laughs) Yeah,
5: I do think, like, sometimes people do go over the line, you know, and, you know, Connor Stallion standing on the Central Michigan sideline with spy glasses on is over the line. But, yeah, let's not. I think we need to find a a balance between not trying to morally equivocate, well, everybody's doing this, and also not being up in arms when, when these things happen. I mean, there's a there's a balance between that.
4: Yeah, I mean, Vanderbilt taking some unnecessary shrapnel there. I, I but guess, I guess shrapnel, they can uh, them, yeah. feel, feel good that they're the ones doing it right, so to speak. But, yeah, I don't think it needs to be one extreme or the other, as Paul said. And the fact that they just so openly talk about it and then just breeze by it and, and act like it's no big deal I think is, you know, uh, part of – the issue is that everybody's doing it, so why? I mean, just what's going to stop it? I mean, what is there to stop it? And if you think that Michigan's cheating and they go out and win a national title and you attribute some of that to that, then what's going to stop you from doing it? And, you know, Kansas also taking some shrapnel there and far more earned than than Vanderbilt's shrapnel for certain. I don't know to the extent of they're cheating more than anybody else, but I know plenty of people who would absolutely believe that and just believe that based on the calls they get at home in Lawrence uh, mm-hmm. on every single home game basis. But, yeah, I, I think it's one of those things where, you know, you can subscribe to the if you're not cheating, you're not trying method, and there's others that try to probably do it somewhere in the middle and others that, you know, I guess are Vanderbilt and try to do it just the, the right way, but... Um, certainly, it's it's all about winning, and that's really what it's all about. And um, until they, you know, really go out and, and I guess, come to, to to some sort of an arrangement where the punishments are so severe that it wards you off entirely. Which I don't, I don't know how they're going to do that. Then it's just going to continue on, and it's 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 a part of the game, and always has been part of the game, mm-hmm. and probably always will be part of the game is cheating to some extent, and who's just better at it, or gets away with it, or can handle the. In season suspension and get over it and come back in time to lead your team down the home stretch and go win a national championship. Uh, by the right, way, dude, before we get to anything, I have yeah, a, you need I have to call.
5: Pre- I have a prepared statement. Uh, Kansas basketball did not deserve that stray from the unnamed person, uh, and they are nothing if not ethical and
6: oh, pure on, as the dude. driven snow. Oh my god! Oh <laughs> yeah.
5: my god! Well, I know so, that's BS. Yeah,
4: so.
6: let, let's go over a few other notes now. Uh, a, a few transfer portal notes. And here they are. One, Baylor, yesterday evening, Western Kentucky, he's an edge rusher. He's kind of what will play the star position at Baylor, like a safety linebacker combo. Kendrick Stempkins, he'll join us at four, committed to Baylor. Gives them much-needed disruption, they hope. Uh, They had none of that last year, so he is now uh, at Baylor. Uh, I'll give you a note from uh, just doing a little bit of due diligence about what else they would like to have before now in spring drills or at least by the end of uh, the summer. Also, here's a note from uh, Lajonte Wester. He was someone that Baylor really wanted at wide receiver He's headed to Colorado. A lot of people wanted him at wide receiver. He is a tremendous talent. He's now headed to play for Dion and the Buffaloes. He's
5: a receptions monster. Uh, pairing him with Travis Hunter and some of the other guys they have there uh, will be really, really good in that offense uh, next year if they can block. By the way, we didn't bring up on yesterday's show that you and I made the Coach Prime documentary. Yeah,
6: well, the show did. Yeah, our voices, I our guess, voices were a part did. Of it but too. we made
5: yeah. we made the Coach Prime documentary, so um, so random. It was very, very, was the very beginning of episode six, uh, season two. So you can hear our voices on that. But yeah, I think that that's a Lejante Westbrook been a great pickup. Uh, he visited here. He was going to visit a couple other places, and then when it was like, oh, he's going to go visit Colorado, I was like, well, that's all over. with the shouting, yeah. you yeah. know, it, that's that's almost too perfect of a fit uh, for what he does and what they need and what their offense is, or or what their offense... I don't really know what their offense is going to be different than Sean Lewis now that he's gone. It appears that Pat Shermer, I guess, is going to be the guy. I don't know what they're going to do in the coaching I, staff. I we'll no find idea. out. But and they whatever they do, it's probably going to work on offense uh, if they block better, especially.
4: Yeah, I mean, that's where it'll start. Uh, they started off pretty... Nicely last year and then just completely crumbled down the, the second half of the or even more so than the second half of the season. But uh, that's a really nice pickup for them. And uh, they've got some weapons. They've got some wideouts. That's for mm. for dang certain. But, you know, do you have time to get down the field? Do you have time to make the throws? I mean, that's where it will all start and stop for Colorado uh, offensively and and in many ways as a team next year, because if their defense isn't significantly better, then they're going to have to win shootouts. And so, again, it all stems back to your protection and what you're going to allow your playmakers to be able to do, uh, starting with Shador. But uh, he's going to have some fun targets. Uh, Travis Hunter at the top of that list, but LeJonte Wester, a guy that a lot of people wanted, as you mentioned, and a very productive guy. So I think that's a a great pickup for Dion, and they're going to have another monster transfer class, I assume. And we'll roll into the Big 12 with – a little bit of a chip on their shoulder after what was a very disappointing season, uh, given how it started off and given how it, it went the last several weeks. So, yeah, they're going to be geared up and ready to go, and, and they're going to have some talent. Uh, so, yeah, Lejante Wester's a, a big part of that.
6: Well, they, they signed a bunch, transfer portal and otherwise, offensive linemen, which they needed to do. Former Baylor tight end Jake Roberts headed to Oklahoma. They're one of the schools, Michigan, that big catch by the tight end, especially late in the game. He's a beast. One of the schools that uses the tight end, no matter who's been the head coach, maybe as well as anybody else in the country.
4: Uh, he's an Oklahoma native, for one, so they were familiar with him. And for two, he has a stud younger brother. And that's uh, as much of the celebration for Oklahoma landing Jake Roberts with all due respect to his commitment as anything else. And I base that off of the many reactions I saw to the news that he committed. It was like, where does this put us with Nate? Where yes. Now we go get his brother. Like woo we're going to get another court. You know, that was, like, the first handful of reactions that I saw in perusing around various threads and whatnot. So, yeah, I mean, he's a solid player. We didn't really get to know him very well down here because it was just a year and he was gone. He He got here from North Texas and then was here, and they had the season that they had, which – he was a major contributor, but didn't have, like, giant numbers by any means, but definitely saw the field quite a bit, and I felt like towards the end of the year was starting to get a little bit more involved in the receiving game, um, but yeah, that's a, a dream come true, I'm sure, for a family from Oklahoma as to go suit up in the Crimson and Cream, and I could tell that as well by the reaction of, of just, you know, what that that likely means for the Roberts family, so... Uh, a nice get. I'm not going to say a huge pickup. Every single recruit that goes in the transfer portal, you know, but I think it's a nice get, and I think it could turn into a huge pickup if you get his younger brother here in the very near future as a result of that. All right,
6: one other note, and this is one of the bigger names and probably the biggest name that was on the the the, uh, the free agent wire, so to speak, is Quinshawn Judkins. Uh, didn't take long. Ohio State, the Ohio State University. I think this came not soon after. Michigan wrapped up a national title.
5: Look, if I'm going to take a visit to Ohio State and try to, you know, again, up my NIL value, uh, what better time to get them to pay me to help them to win games than the day that Michigan is winning the national title? That is – listen, whatever happens with Quinshawn Judkins, I'm going to tell you, as a businessman, that is a savvy move right there. That, uh, you know, you go to the biggest competition and say, like, listen, I can – you see how Blake Gorum, Corum is scoring all those touchdowns? I think I can do that here for you mm-hmm. in this lovely city of Columbus that's way better than, than Ann Arbor, Michigan, don't you think? Guys, I think he can help you out, but that's how much it's going to cost. And then they're probably like, whatever you want.
4: Yeah, I wonder if he got another uh, zero or something thrown on yeah. the end of whatever his offer was or another 10K or something. Uh, yeah, who knows? Uh, but he only had so many options that were going to be a bigger step up than where he was, mm-hmm. as we've outlined uh, quite a bit over the last couple of shows given the trajectory of Ole Miss, given what they're bringing back, given what they went and got in the portal to address issues or holes or just weaknesses, um, they're setting up for a national title run next year. I think that's that's pretty clear that they're, they're going all in, and for him to depart in the midst of putting that together was just very strange, and you wonder, I mean, how many schools can he go to where he'll still compete for a national championship, make – big NIL one would think and you know be on a on a big stage and he's on a bigger one now he's absolutely at, at a bigger uh, institution with a bigger platform uh, with the Buckeyes but you know Ohio State uh, I mean Ole Miss they'll be really good um, and he could have been you know a nice part of what they're gonna have next year but I still think they'll be you know fine without him but I do think he's a really good running back that instantly makes Ohio State better not that they've you know not to uh, had their fair share of, of good running backs, but he's, he's pretty dang good. So I think that's a really nice pickup for Ryan Day and the Buckeyes. All right, we
6: need to break for Sam Kahn. Uh, later on, a former Baylor head coach and longtime assistant who was a part of numerous national titles has decided to retire. A note about the FCS, uh, FCS champion South Dakota State and who they open up with next year, a Big 12 team. Much to get to, Sam Kahn. Kendrick Simpkins, also Brett McMurphy, and Jake Butt, college football analyst and or players, and this is 365 Sports. Stonewood Dental, Robinson, Texas. Haven't been there in a while, and that's good news because there was always something for me to update, upgrade, or get fixed because for many years I didn't take care of my dental work the way that you do, you need to do other than just the obvious of you brush your teeth, etc. And I would floss, and I'd use those little things in between my teeth, but I was just, it was a wreck, and I've paid for it. Literally paid for it, but what I am thrilled about is the fact that I got to know Dr. Steve Childress and Stonewood Dental and his amazing staff because they have been incredible, methodical in helping me have my dental work be better than ever before, and that's saying a lot lot because of where I've been. Stonewood Dental is in Robinson, Texas, from anywhere the simplest of teeth cleaning, If you have a cavity, if there's a root canal, if you need a tooth pulled, if you need mental uh, uh, very serious dental work, he's the guy, along with the rest of the dentist in his uh, building and also his great staff. Stonewood Dental, Dr. Steve Childress in Robinson, Texas.
1: Drive into the new year with confidence and excitement during the Start Something New Sales event at Allen Samuels in Waco. Get incredible deals on our entire selection of new Ram trucks, Jeeps, SUVs, Chrysler sedans, or a sporty Dodge. Get more for less guaranteed. More value, more selection, more service, more trade-in allowance, and even more competitive financing. Hurry in and start 2024 with a bang. Shop the greatest selection of inventory in Central Texas at Allen Samuels in Waco. In-store or online at allensamuelsdcj.com and
3: make it a. Unforgettable.
4: Pioneer Steel and Pipe opened their doors in 1943 and they have never wavered with their focus on great product and customer service, relationships with a handshake, making sure you, the customer, is satisfied. Their new facility is now twice the size, allowing new inventory, higher quantities, and in a much more organized fashion. In addition to the long lengths of tubing, angles, channels, rods, and flat, Pioneer Steel and Pipe now offers several shorter, more convenient lengths of material already cut. Their 2,500-square-foot showroom has over 1,000 new products and stock, new welding supplies, hardware, quick creep, and do-it-yourself components for any project, whether you are a professional contractor or weekend warrior. The new facility is designed to make your loading experience faster and more efficient with easy drive lanes around the building and much more room to get your trailer loaded. Our location may have changed, but our values haven't, and our relationship with customers goes much farther than just business. Pioneer Steel & Pipe on Loop 340 and Highway 6 and just east of I-35 in Waco. Automatic
3: Chef Canteen is a full-service micromarket vending and office coffee provider with state-of-the-art vending equipment, a wide variety of products, and offering custom-fitted micromarket vending office coffee solutions for your employee breakroom. You want a full breakroom solution and a workplace oasis? Well, Automatic Chef Canteen, locally owned and operated for over 50 years in Central Texas, also includes in-house mechanics on call 24-7 for fast, reliable service and maintenance. Automatic Chef Canteen, $6,900. Imperial Drive in Waco or online at automaticchefcanteen.com
7: Looking to connect with Baylor alums in your area? Baylor alumni can help. Looking to host a watch party in your city? Baylor alumni can get you started. Want to step out in your community and serve with other alums? Baylor alumni is your connection with the university and each other. Let's get started. Learn how at Baylor.edu/slash alumni.
6: Stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. See all the things they can achieve in our boots at goarmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543.
1: 365 Sports.
2: The 3 o'clock hour is sponsored by Waco Custom Marketplace. Meats, sweets, Texas treats, and a cut above the rest. 425 Lake Air Drive, Waco.
6: Michigan wins the national title. Sam Kahn, the Athletic.com, joins us on 365 Sports. Uh, Sam, there was a moment, maybe sometime a little bit during that third quarter when the, it was up for grabs, but in the end, Michigan just put their stamp on it. Your thoughts about overall last night?
3: Yeah, interesting game, compelling. I thought, uh, the, the swings that we saw momentum with Michigan dominating early on. You kind of wondered early after that first quarter, if he was just going to run away with the thing. And then, you know, they squandered a couple of opportunities and in short yardage and Washington was able to, to get back in it. You know, when Caitlin DeBoer went for fourth and goal, uh, late in the first half and they went and scored that touchdown and a really nice play throw from Penix to Jalen McMillan. I really did think Washington was going to flip the tide there because they, they were getting the ball coming out to start the third quarter. And I thought, man, they're going to go here and score and we're going to have a neck and neck ball game the rest of the way. Uh, and of course we know Penix do that interception uh, start the third quarter and uh, they never really could even, even as many times as Washington had the ball down one score they just could not get it going, and and the impression I kept coming away with after watching that game was that Michigan beat them at the line of scrimmage. They they beat them obviously with their offensive line opening up those huge holes early for Blake Horm and Donovan Edwards to run through, and then even on the defensive line, I thought they did a really good job. They sacked Penix once, but they also were able to get a little bit in his face and move him. There was a, several times where you saw Penix retreating when he was throwing the ball and it just seemed like he, he made his own mistakes as well, but it seemed like they were able to affect him in a way that, that some teams recently haven't been able to. And I think that ultimately Michigan, is sitting here at 15 and zero, I think it's a deserving champion and kudos to them. They were the better team last night. Sam, what does it also
5: say about, you know, there's this common perception about how teams need to be in, in, in college football today and, this kind of offense, and you need to be able to do this, this, and that. And Michigan did it very old school last night and, and all season long, for sure.
3: Yeah, I think sometimes we overthink this, and and I'll include myself in this because I'm a guy who has grown up in Texas watching the revolution of offensive football, you know, seven-on-seven seven sprouted here. You know, the air raid really took off here, uh, even though it was born really in Iowa Wesleyan, it really took off in Texas Tech when Mike Leach did, did it there and, and the high schools here too. Uh, the Big 12 has kind of been kind of central for, for schematic revolution. But the game still comes down to blocking and tackling. And guess who blocked and tackled the best last night and blocked and tackled the best a lot this year it was Michigan. And we, we think of these teams too, not just from a schematic standpoint, like J.J. McCarthy – is not a guy who you considered at, at any point this year as a Heisman candidate. So you do, he, he the, the fact that they won a title with him, and I think he's a very talented quarterback, and I think he'll have a pro future, but he wasn't, he wasn't of the level of Michael Penn. And he, he wasn't, he's not the level of Drake May or Caleb Williams. But they were able to win because you have to give Jim Harbaugh and that staff a lot of credit because they were able to construct that team around their strengths and around their weaknesses. They never put J.J. McCarthy in a position to have to carry the team. And that's a credit to the talent they built around him. And when you think about it, we think of Georgia and we think of Alabama and we think of Ohio State and these teams that have stacked super talent, five stars and high four stars all over the place. Michigan's roster doesn't look like that. And if you really think about it, they've got great players. A lot of players are going to get drafted. But do they have one just uber stud that, you know, no doubt best player in the nation, they don't. They have a lot of really good football players, a lot of great football players. And it truly was a team effort. And I really have to give a lot of kudos again to Hardball that organization, the way they built the roster, the way they constructed the team, the schemes they called out, thought the coordinators did a good job last night. It, there is truly one more than one way to skin a cat. You don't have to just recruit a bunch of five stars. You don't have to have an quarterback. You can win it another way, and ultimately, like I said, I think it comes down in a lot of ways to Boston's back and Michigan did that really damn well.
4: Sam, I saw you make a comment, a tweet passed by before the the game yesterday or during the game you were talking about how you had always hoped to cover the national championship in Houston, and and years ago, you just hoped that you'd be around for that moment, and you were. And so what was it like to see the national championship unfold down there in H-Town?
3: It was so cool. It was one of the best experiences of my career. Uh, I remember, I think it was six years ago, a little bit more than six years ago when they announced that Houston would host the national championship game in 2024. And, it, it, you know, I was super excited about it, obviously, because this is where I'm born and raised this is where I've spent my career. And I didn't, you know, that was so long ago when that announcement came down. I, I didn't know if I was even going to be covering college football. And you just don't know how, quickly these things change. You know, I mean, I, I lost the job in, you know, early 2021. And so, you know, when I was going go by ESPN and you, you just, you just don't know this business is so fickle. And so you don't know what direction life's going to take you. And so you just, I just hoped, Hey man, even if it was the last college football game I ever covered, that would be an awesome opportunity to have and to do it last night and, and really this whole weekend with, uh, so many friends and colleagues, you know, our team at the athletic, we had uh, 10 people total, including myself, uh, in, in Houston for the game to cover the game, you know, uh, eight writers and two editors. And I was, I'm just so, I feel so privileged to be a part of that group because we, I feel like we have, you know, the best college football coverage team in the country. You know, I feel like we do a great job covering it, covering it in a written way. And, uh, you know, to, to be surrounded by those people who are great friends and, and a lot of people who I've worked with, you know, formerly at ESPN, people I've worked with, you know, in my old days at Houston Chronicle, people that I've known. I, I ran into people last night that I've known since I covered high school, you know, way back, in, you know, 15, 16 years ago. Uh, those relationships have endured over time. And, and I feel like I'm a part of this place. You know, I'm a part of, of H-Town and, and it's, it's a part of me. And to be able to have the most, you know, the the pinnacle of the sport be played in this city Uh, last night was a really cool moment for me and something I'll always cherish. So, Sam,
6: we now have the Big 12 changing to who they are, uh, of course, next year. Texas OU on their way. The changes in college football, the Big Ten has Washington, Oregon, USC, and also UCLA. Um, do you have any idea? Do you think we're going to have another year like we've seen the last couple of years? Is it going to calm down at all? Knowing Florida state is most likely imminent with what they want to do.
3: I sure hope that we do because gosh, it has made some really long off seasons and <laughs> some long summers the last few years. I would like to have one summer go by without a major realignment move happen. Uh, that would be terrific. Obviously Florida state with their cage rattling, uh, is understandable, but yeah, they spent so much time looking at this grant of Rights and trying to figure the way out. You feel like it's, it's going to be a little bit difficult. And, and I would imagine that off ramp is probably a few years down the road. Uh, I think seen the date thrown around like 2027 uh, or something like that. I, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's so much can change in that. And and what happened to them in the playoffs, which was really unfortunate. Uh, I was disappointed to see them left out that I understand why I understand why they're going to do it or why they're trying to do it. And, and, but it only, I, I don't see the long-term stability coming in at any point soon. I, and that's not just with realignment. I think that's with everything that's with uh, NIL that's with player movement. That's with potential revenue sharing whenever that comes down the pike, which I, you heard Jim Harbaugh this morning at his press conference after winning that championship standing on the table for that again. Uh, he's not going to be the only one. And and I think that you talk to ADs and it seems like an inevitability. The sport is going to continue to change. And I, I am curious, of course, the 12 team playoffs comes in, but I'm curious how different it to look. But this offseason, I think it's still going to be plenty busy. I just don't know if realignment is going to be a part of it. And I sure hope we can at least take a short breather from that uh, for one off season
5: Yeah, Sam, I don't know if we're going to be that lucky. Uh <laughs> that's the Florida State guy over yeah. here. Yeah. I don't, I don't think we're gonna be that lucky. It's gonna this one's gonna be and, and like here's the thing, you asked for that, and this one might be the weirdest one of all.
3: Given yeah. everything I have yeah, to and the, and the thing is, is gosh, the conferences are already so mangled at this point. I just don't know what it all looks like at the end. That's that's kind of where I am now, is I wanna see what what just show me what the end game is. Show me what we're gonna get to at the end. And so I can understand what this is going to look like, but I will say this. I am excited about the 12 team playoff next year. Uh, I thought it was good that we had new blood in this year. And I do think that is a positive change for the sport. Uh, how will it affect realignment or will it impact that? I don't think so because those decisions are made well beyond just the playoff, but I do think it is going to be cool to see that. And I even heard, you know, my, my friend Ari Washington David oven this morning talking about it and talking about, hey, who could be the 12 teams in it next year. I think that, that's going to be a lot of fun to think about. As we do our preseason previews, we're no longer going to be picking the top four. We're going to be picking a top 12 and figuring out who's going to be the group of five team that gets in, uh, who are some of the dark horses that could come and win a conference and, and earn one of those automatic firsts. I think that is going to be really cool. And for all the, the uh, angst that there has been about realignment, when you do look at the schedules, there is this, is there are going to be a lot of really good games uh and and that is that is good for the sport it is good to see more quality games and not schedules where teams only get tested twice the whole year
6: congratulations on that dream you had six and a half years ago and and what you were able to do i saw that picture that craig brought up as well that's awesome you do a great job the staff does i've mentioned it's the one that i have a subscription to and it's not because you're on the air but i do uh it's a hell of a season michigan how about this stat uh, Garrett, I'm not sure if you've had time. This is a stat about Michigan. They're the first national champion, Sam, to lead at halftime in every game since Miami's dominant and maybe greatest team ever in 2001.
3: Yeah, it was impressive. When when they played Alabama in the semis and they were trailing, I remember them flashing that graphic up that that was the first time season they had trailed in the second half. And – In some ways, it almost didn't surprise me because we saw how they dominated. And some of that, again, was a function of schedule. Let's not lie. Their schedule was pretty poor in the first half of the season. But down the stretch, they had a lot of tests, and I thought they stood up to them. And every time you thought, hey, somebody might get them, and you know, even as I just talked about J.J. McCarthy, even though his passing numbers were not great, I mean, he threw for 60 yards against Penn State. But how many times... Did we watch Michigan even down the stretch? And you really thought they were in danger of losing. I don't think it was very often at all. And I think that's a testament to this defense, how well it played. Jesse Mitchell has done a great job with that group. They've got a lot of really good players, a lot of really good athletes. And gosh, you, you look at what they did to that uh, Washington offense last night. I mean, they that, that, that's the fewest yards per play that Washington has averaged all season long was last night. And it's a credit to that secondary to be able to keep that, uh, that passing game in check. And, again, Penix made his mistakes as well. But it is, it is a show of dominance from a Michigan team, 15-0, and 0, a very deserving champion without question.
6: Uh, the right tackle for Washington had a tough night. Hell of a player. Roger Rosengarten throughout the year had 610 pass block snaps, zero sacks allowed and two quarterback hits, and that was nearly tripled last night in the mm. game against Michigan, and he's a heck of a player, the right tackle. He allowed numerous hits, of course, on Pennix. Everybody did, but that's how dominant Michigan was in their front seven, getting after Penix. Sam, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Have a great rest of your week. Rest that voice, and, and uh, we appreciate your time.
3: No problem. Thanks, guys. I'll take
6: care. Sam Kahn, athletic.com with us on 365 Sports. Um, that's an unbelievable stat. 610 snaps. Pass block snaps, no sacks allowed. Two quarterback hits, and I bet it was probably at least a couple of sacks, maybe three, three or four hits. Couple of holding calls and whatever else happened, and it's Michigan getting after Michael Penix.
5: They were just so vicious at the point of attack all, all, all night long, all season long, and that was that's how you build the teams. And look, I you know we can go back through. Um, you know, the national champions, especially, you know, the, I'll, I'll go through the last 30, and, you know, I know it's, it's all about the quarterback, and everybody says that, but I promise you that I can go 30 for 30 that this was – most of them had the best offensive
4: and defensive line in the country, mm-hmm. and that's
5: why they won.
6: Yeah,
4: yeah, it was uh, a pretty dominant performance in a lot of ways uh, by Michigan, and they set the tone right out of the gates uh, pretty early on. I mean, and then hitting the big plays they did on offense uh, in the run game and then just – getting after Penix and making him uncomfortable. They did exactly what they set out to do, and that lasted pretty much throughout the game. In the moments where there were, like, little bursts of light for Washington to go and try to grab hold of or take advantage of or slip through, um, they couldn't connect uh, for the most part. So, yeah, Michigan made life hell uh, for Michael Penix last night. And I think of all the outcomes, certainly watching him basically by himself fight off Painful tears, not only from losing the game, but from whatever injury he was suffering from, as he kept grabbing his side. It looked like it was ribs or whatever the case may be. Uh, that was not the way he he sought to go out. Right, that's not the way that I think any of us pictured him going out. Was with the TV cameras on him, certainly towel over his head, sulking or being upset that they lost. You could see that. As a possibility, but being all dinged up and basically limping to the locker room and having a towel over his head and, and all of that, I mean, that was, that was not at all the yeah. way that you wanted that to be your last you know, moment in college football, but it was. And, and that was because of the way the Michigan played in that game last night, he, and he that's took why they're beating. raising yeah. the trophy. You're
6: absolutely right. Took a beating. Took an absolute beating. Sometimes I wondered if the flak jacket was swollen ribs because he yeah. got hit so many times uh, throughout the year, uh, throughout the game. Uh, One thing I want to, uh, maybe underrated about Michigan, we break, come back, we'll have uh, Kendrick Simpkins from Western Kentucky headed to Baylor at 4 o'clock. I thought Michigan's secondary tackled incredibly well, and maybe they did all year long. Washington, even when passes were completed, they didn't get any action. Very rarely did you see yards after catch. You didn't see that very much, the tackling from the corners and, the, the slot uh, defensive backs, the nickels and dimes, whatever, I thought they tackled incredibly well in the open field when it was one-on-one. When we come back, we'll have a couple of other notes to get to when it comes to college football Then Kendrick Simpkins and Brett McMurphy around the corner. He'll join us, too. Craig's off the radar in an hour, and this is 365 Sports. com. I spoke with Samantha DeVall midweek last week. They have another steak auction. If you've been a part of what they've done, a couple of them early, and they've had incredible success, and hopefully we've had a lot to do with that, and hopefully you've been a part of it because their Wagyu Steak, their aged Wagyu Steak, their beef is fantastic. Another auction coming at the end of this month, Tuesday, January 30th. Bid in person or go online. All Wagyu Steaks are now offered in their auctions coming up January 30th. So be prepared for that. You can get be in person or you could also bid and be a part of it online. No hormones, no antibiotics, no steroids. Premium grade East Texas aged Wagyu beef. Texas Beef House provides quality farm-raised Wagyu beef uh, the difference between what you might get in the store is just simple. Most beef purchased in the grocery store or fine steakhouses have been raised in feedlots designed for mass production of beef. At Texas Beef House, just outside of Tyler, their cattle raised in open pasture and have unlimited supply of grass. Intense rotational grazing program, including planning summer annuals and winter annuals. In other words, they are ready for again, your plate. It's TexasBeefHouse.com. dot com.
1: we 2.
6: At Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be a part of the Waco community. We're a small family business right here in Central Texas, and our goal is to bring down the cost of health care while maintaining high quality. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important, and unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. That's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through the difficult time. We offer premium MRIs just like a hospital with state-of-the-art technology and specialists, but you'll pay less sometimes thousands of dollars less whether you're using insurance or not at Ideal MRI we accept most insurance and there are no hidden costs even offering financing if that's needed everything included in the price and you'll not get something as a surprise in the mail later on if you need an MRI ask your doctor about Ideal MRI they'll know you can schedule an appointment safely from home online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or give us a call 833 Ideal MRI Ideal MRI we Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness on Lakeshore Drive is a premier elite life-changing experience where you can change your mind, body, and soul, offering over 50 group exercise classes every week, including boot camp, bar, silver sneakers, and 10 cycling classes with morning and evening classes available. New, state-of-the-art bikes that allow you to compete against yourself with a screen monitoring your speed, miles, resistance, and power. Personal training with Christy London, Randall Corley, Alex Botts, and Nathan Rose where you will be encouraged and motivated to grow, losing inches in weight the right way. There's a kids' club included with your membership plus sauna and tanning bed. 16 tennis courts plus a beautiful stadium court and longtime youth tennis pro Britt Coleman and assistant junior pro Kenna. Adult tennis lessons and clinics with Blake and the commitment to pickleball with eight courts and instructor Jody Thurman. Visit the website at wacotennis.com next to Hawaiian Falls on Lakeshore Drive in Waco.
1: This is 365 Sports. Are you a Sikkim 365 superfan? Then try out our premium subscriptions at Sikkim365.com.
6: Transfer portal, of course, is constantly churning. Baylor yesterday picked up Kendrick Simpkins, a heck of a player, a lot of great stats, disruptive player from Western Kentucky. He'll be on campus at Baylor in the middle of the month, and Kendrick Simpkins, excuse me, joins us now on 365 Sports. Kendrick, thanks for your time. If you were to check off a couple of two or three boxes of why Baylor, you obviously were in demand, but why Baylor? What would some of those be that you said, nope, that's what I want, that's what I want, that's what I want?
8: Um. Just when I got there, you know, I just felt that at home. You know, it was just like a family like atmosphere. Just the coaches, just the players, just the environment. It just felt family like. And then just Coach Aranda, you know, just the 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 genius he is with his background, with the defenses and how uh, intelligent guy like Coach uh, Paz. is. Just like it was just a great opportunity. And then just lastly, just, just the fit, you know. I kinda of been in the same defense, you know, just a different terminology, so that that wasn't a problem for me and just seeing just everything just felt right just while I was there.
5: The star position uh, that you'll play uh, at Baylor, um, you you you're asked to do a lot. It, it seems like that's what you kind of do is you know it's getting in the backfield or it's in coverage. What do you feel like is your your best quality when it comes to being the star position? Is it that flexibility of being able to kind of do all those things that you're asked?
8: Um. Yes. Yeah, correct. I would say uh, just my best is just doing everything. I know that's <laughs> kind of like broad, but. I think it is. I'm at my best just when I'm kind of just mixing it up, kind of just when I'm on fire. I'm just kind of doing everything, making an impact in every way.
4: Kendrick, what were your expectations? Uh, I mean, did you know much about Baylor? Did you know much about Texas? I mean, kind of where was your head with all of that? And what were your, you know, I guess impressions as you were gathering information along the way?
8: Um, I, to be honest, um, I I knew about Coach Aranda, but I didn't know too much about Baylor or Waco. Texas, you know, I know about Texas, but of course I had to do some research there, but Coach Aranda with him being at LSU for the many years, of course, I knew who he was. So just once I got the offer and we had conversation, I kind of already knew I was going to give those guys a visit regardless just because of Coach Aranda.
6: When you came out of high school and ended up at Western Kentucky, I would think that probably you – and and by the way, the Hilltoppers have a nice history and tradition in college football – but I'm, I'm sure that there was a dream to maybe one day play at a power five school and maybe there wasn't, but I'm asking you, is that something that was always out there for you to scratch that itch? And that's why also the opportunity at Baylor.
8: Um, coming out of high school, I did have a couple of power five offers, you know, so it was kind of like big for me, but I uh, had the opportunity at in Kentucky and it's been great. So over those years, you know, I, I kind of didn't care. Even through this process, you know, I didn't just put off any low, uh, teams that weren't t five. You know, I, I was open to everyone. You know, it was about the fit in just situation. So, um, power five, I would say, um, I went of course like high school wise, I was I was crazy on it. But just coming being older now, it was more so just a perfect fit. Just you know, about more so those things, not the P- power five level more so.
5: So now that you're committed, do you start going and watching film of, of other guys to to kind of learn things. Like Jalen Petrie uh, played your position uh, at Baylor; he's in the NFL now and, and doing really well. Do you, how do you kind of prepare for it before you before you hit the ground?
8: Um, when I was on my visit, that's that's actually the only guy like I watched. Uh, you know, I, they uh, made some comparisons to Jalen Petrie. They claimed using me the same same way. So yeah, I, I will watch him and just just trying to get the just the defense whole as a knowledge, just the terminology and those things of a nature. Just first, just trying to get the terminology and then kind of watching guys like him and then seeing how everything go.
4: Kendrick, where did your love for football start? Where did that come from?
8: Um, my love for football, I would say, just growing up, you know, my uncles and just cousins and everyone was just just was playing football, so I kind of just grew up around football, everyone playing football. So that's just how that started, and I just ended up loving it and just taking up with it.
6: Did Coach Aranda, Coach Palage, and others on the defensive side of the ball, uh, when we talk about the star position, and you brought that up, uh, Jalen Petrie was an All-American. He's now very well, doing well with the Texans. Uh, they have been looking for a replacement for him, but you don't replace Jalen Petrie. He's that kind of good player was that in the conversation, the disruptive? You had 11 tackles for losses, seven and a half sacks. I watched video of you, uh, four cause fumbles on what you looked like quarterback strip sacks. Was that something that was like hammered into you of what you can do and what they need?
8: Yes, most definitely. The same way that, like I said, it, um, I know the stats are a little bit different and on different levels, but just looking at his years and his stats, you kind of like, just add up and just some of the plays he's made is kind of like similar plays. So they did definitely, of course, that's big, but of course I'm going to come in. I, I know what they're saying, the, the role that they need and the impact that they need, but I'm going to be all every bit of Kendrick because you know, mm-hmm. of course I'm a model Jalen Petrie, but yeah, that's the role they want to be, but I'm going to be every bit of me. And I just want to come in and gain everyone's trust and get started.
5: Kendrick, you're from
8: Montgomery, Alabama.
5: Alabama has very famous barbecue. Uh, you're in Texas now that also has very famous barbecue. Do you Will you have, a, like, a taste-off? What will you do?
8: Yeah, yeah. I think I might, have to, I might have to do that. I might have to get some spots recommended to me in Texas and have to try that out. Well, they
6: got plenty of options for you, and a lot of them are sponsors of Baylor Athletics, so you'll have plenty of options, including one of those that we have in Rudy's Barbecue. Now, um... Your mother, I talked to uh, uh, Adonica, and she said she's still to this day, and I, I, this is what moms do, uh, my little baby. When she says that to you, do you light up? What's that mean to you?
8: Yeah. You know, uh, okay, uh, I'm a mama's boy. You know, my mom is everything to me, you know. So she, she's very important to me. She's always been in my corner. And, you know, of course, that's my mom, but just even with football, you know, even with this process, you know, in even high school, she kinda just gave me the football part and, you know, she the academic part and the other part. She put trust in me because uh with the football part and, you know, she handled all the academics and make sure I was big on that too, so, you know, that she's everything to me.
6: Well that's that military that she was a part of, she's a part of the Air Force. A veteran of the U S Air Force, correct? How much of that, even though you were like two when she was off overseas and some of those, uh, I guess, wars in the Middle East. How much do you think of that is rubbed off on you?
8: Um, I think it probably rubbed off on me a lot, you know, just the mentality I have and just the upbringing I, I, um, that I came up with. All right. When your
6: mother was traveling because of her career and you needed to get to practice, how long of a walk was there And you did this many times. I was told this story. How long of a walk to and from high school for you was it when you did not have a ride?
8: Yeah, (laughs) so uh, I don't know how to describe it. So I actually, yeah, so I was. It was summer workouts, and I didn't have a ride. I didn't have a kind of having a way people know where to stay near me. So I walked all the way from my neighborhood. All the way uh, to my school, that's on the other side of town. So probably walking distance, it might was probably like forty-five minutes, fifty minutes walk. And, and then that's walking. That's walking to uh, practice in in the hot sun, probably like eighty-degree weather. Then go work out and walk back at, at night or whenever the later afternoon.
6: There's a lot of young men or even people that would have found a reason not to go. Was that ever even on your mind?
8: Uh, I will say someday, I, It was in one of, my, of course, some days, you know, but like, like you said, I mean, it was just determination. You know, I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to make a reason or a way, you know, I, and I knew I, it, I probably wouldn't have to do it too much longer. I did end up doing it for a while, but I knew it would not I was just telling myself, I knew it wouldn't have to be too much longer and, and it'll all pay off. All right. What do you want to do,
6: obviously about to continue your college career at Baylor and then the dream of playing at the next level. But let's look down the road, whenever that might be. What does Kendrick Simpkins want to do for a career, life after athletics and sports?
8: Um, I think I want I, I to I um, continue my career in the sports field, um, whether that's coaching or something of that nature. I, I think I want to stay in the sports area.
6: When you committed to Coach Aranda, Matthew Powell, Baylor University. What was the reaction? Can you share that with us?
8: Yeah, it was that. Uh, it was that uh, dinner, you know. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. It was that uh, breakfast Sunday morning, you know. It kind of, I kind of stepped to the side and told Coach Aranda first, you know. He was excited, lit up, you know. And then uh, once I told everybody and made that big announcement, and everybody was, you know, just full of hugs, full of shouts, you know.
4: How
6: would you describe Dave Aranda?
8: Um, he, I would say, he's a smart guy. You know, I like the way he carries himself. You know, you get, he's about. You can tell he's all about business. A very smart guy, good guy. You know, he's a people person. You know, he's a guy that just can. Um, he's a guy to love.
6: But I want to go back to something you said, and then we appreciate your time, Kendrick, and congratulations on your decision, whatever it would have been. You mentioned you didn't know much about Baylor. But you knew a lot about Dave Aranda. Had he not been the head coach at Baylor, would you have? Would Baylor have been on your radar at all?
8: Um, To be honest, um, I put it at a high standard because Coach um, I got off Coach and Coach Aranda was the head coach. So if he wasn't the head coach, I maybe wouldn't have as a higher interest. But I definitely still would have been interested because a guy like Coach Pollock still with mm-hmm. on staff who's also a great defensive mind and upcoming coach.
6: Enjoy the rest of your day and also the rest of the time you have until you come to Baylor and get on campus. Kendrick, great to have you. Baylor fans are excited for what you can bring to the defense, and I'm sure the coaching staff is as well. We appreciate your time, and and thanks for being a part of the show.
8: Uh, thank you, guys. I really appreciate it, and I can't wait to get to work.
6: Yes, sir. Kendrick Simpkins from Western Kentucky now. Baylor, it says safety it's that star position uh, that kind of comes from different directions. And I don't know, my God, I used to call Jalen Petrie like the bullet because he came from different directions, pressure, coverage, whatever. Uh, and, uh, and obviously they hope that Kendrick Simpkins can give them something, something on defense with what he does.
4: I mean, if he can be anything like Jalen Petrie, then that's a win. But that was a position that did not – uh, really have much success last year or the last couple of years, and they've been searching for somebody to answer that call and, and fill in that role, and, and so it seems that Kendrick Simpkins is the guy that they're eyeing to do that, and so I'm um, very much looking forward to hearing more from him and seeing more of what he can do, but seemed to be a, a pretty nice pickup. Won't say huge. Every transfer portal pickup's a huge yeah. commit, you know, but uh, I do think it's a, an important one, and it could potentially turn into a huge pickup based on the way that he plays this year, but they definitely needed to address that star spot and just the the defense as a whole and the secondary as a whole. Um, I think outside of your young corners, you're, you're looking everywhere for help and for improvement, so um, that one's like a triple whammy given the importance of that position. So, yeah, I think that's a, a nice get, and... Uh, hopefully he you know pans out, is able to stay healthy and have a great career. Sounds like a got a good head on his shoulders and uh, looking forward to, like I said, checking more of him out.
6: Just a couple of notes about this. So if you look at what the defense has brought in, the offense has obviously got Daquan Finn, among others, but what the defense with Lola Heya, the defensive tackle, Keaton Thomas, the junior college linebacker, Simpkins from Western Kentucky, Cam Jenkins, who's coming in. That's uh, uh, Caden, Caden Jenkins, brother. brothers, who was a star, uh, among the very few that Baylor really had that stood out last year. Uh, and so he's on his way in. I think if you asked Baylor, if you wanted to say, okay, one more box do we need to check off, they would still love to, to get that jack position, another body in that jack position, which is a combination of defensive end, outside linebacker, and so always working on the possibility of that. But they, they feel pretty good, I would think, about where they are right now. Juco and transfer portal: the combination of players who can help them they hope very quickly. When we come back, Brett McMurphy, he was in Houston, national columnist from Action Network HQ. couple of nuggets, his thoughts about Jim Harbaugh, the future of Jim Harbaugh, and more. And this is 365 Sports. Pioneer 2 and Pipe, 1943, they opened up their doors. And then last December, not like just a month or so ago, but a year and a half, a year or so ago, in December of 2022, they opened up their brand-new facility that's just amazing. It is huge, and it is spectacular, and it is state-of-the-art, and what it's done is taken a company that was in the backbone of 1943 and what they did in the same location for years, decades, decades, and now they have even better than what they had, and they had a bunch of good the distribution time and what you need when you go by and pick up. We're talking heavy, heavy product, pipe, steel, and metal. You have 18-wheelers, trailers, pickup trucks or more. More bays for you to get what you need, what you order, what you need to take to the construction site, commercial or real estate, and they're there for you to make sure they get. It. And all the lengths of the product, there's not just the one, one standard length. There are numerous different lengths, so you don't have to worry about cutting it or taking it somewhere else to have them do it, you can take it straight to the site. It is from the backbone of taking a handshake and saying, yeah, look somebody in the eye. You're a customer. They're the business. They want you not one time. They want you forever until it's the next generation of whoever you are. When it comes to pipe, steel, and metal, construction, pioneer steel and pipe, pioneerboys.com.
2: Developed by Startup Waco, a nonprofit organization, GXG is a program designed to support the entrepreneurial development of Baylor University student athletes through NIL activations. The program helps student athletes maximize their platforms and offers a comprehensive support system for them to create and grow new businesses that not only benefit themselves but also uplift the local economy. Fans who wish to support student athletes can donate to GXG via the GXG NIL fund, baylorbears.com slash gxg. Contributions to support NIL activations through GXG can be made at baylorbears.com slash gxg. For more information, follow at gxg underscore green x gold on social media and visit the official website www.gxg.startupwaco.com. GXG, empowering student-athlete entrepreneurship and uplifting the local economy through nil activations when we moved to texas we were like fish out of water we didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our texas farm bureau insurance agent came to the house she was so helpful and reassuring a friendly face with that texan hospitality i'd heard about when we purchased a texas farm bureau
1: insurance policy we knew we were making the right choice we knew our family would be protected stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan county locations Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation.
4: I see an equal housing lender. Waco Custom Marketplace is your hometown grocery store
6: with a full-service butcher shop and bakery. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon-wrapped fillets, sirloin steaks, bone-in ribeyes, boneless ribeyes, and even prime rib. Cut specifically the way you want, the thickness that you want. They're all delicious. They have Norwegian salmon, mahi-mahi, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey, variety of cheese and several options of sausage Links, and even regular jalapeno or cheese snack sticks, fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, and ground beef, marinated beef or chicken fajitas, and always large briskets and tri-tip available, plus fresh vegetables. So the great product, customer service, and tradition continues at Waco Custom Marketplace, a full-service butcher shop and bakery, open Monday through Saturday. The Bauer Family, Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco, or Waco wacocustommarketplace.com.
1: This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com.
2: The 4 o'clock hour is sponsored by Boozer's Jewelers, the wedding ring store, specializing in custom jewelry and repair, all in-house.
1: Now here's David Smoke,
6: Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. Around the corner, Brett McMurphy who was there for the game last night. Michigan's win against Washington to win the national title. But here's a note from uh, Ross Dellinger. Yahoo Sports, this is already set in stone. Next year, if this was, uh, this is next year, the first round games will be December 20th and 21st. So this coming, well, today and tomorrow, would be the semifinals uh, this upcoming uh, year, college football season. Championship game moved back a little bit. It was January 8th last night, January 20th in Atlanta. But it would be today and tomorrow after all of the others when we would be watching the semifinals in the Orange Bowl and also right up in Arlington in the Cotton Bowl.
5: So, inauguration day next year. um, Well, no, it's election year. Never mind. Uh, Well, yeah, 2025. It'll be the inauguration day, um, January 20th. So,. I I personally would like to see this all moved up a week. I don't like leaving two weeks between the championship game and the first round. I'd rather just get into it. Uh, I know that this is probably like the slow adjustment to you know changing the bowl system, but I would rather see this all moved up a week. And I know Do you that think part that's of this for is, those who
6: are playing an extra game to get a little bit of a break compared to those who have been sitting around. with Bye.
5: No. I don't think it is. Okay. I think it's because of the middle one on January first.
6: Oh, I think that's why it is okay, right there. Okay, so
5: there you go. Um, that's why it is at least this year. And I do think ultimately that will change. But I, I, I think because the Rose Bowl is a quarterfinal game, that this was why we have this. I just. I you know I just would like to see it moved up a little bit more. That's personal to me.
4: Well, I mean, there's also teams playing an extra game, so I do think you got to give them a little bit yeah. of something. I mean, the fact that there's already a buy for the teams that are the top four, I think's kind of BS. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, there's I know a lot of people
6: that that's a very it's an opinion it's that's an very split. But I, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's a
4: whole extra game you yeah. have to play, and I, I get that you want to reward the top four, but when it's already so subjective as it is, like who's to say that you don't you know. Um, Rig it up to where there's there's an advantage there, I mean clearly there's an advantage not having to play an extra game, so yeah, I think for those teams that may have to do that, and if you're looking at being one of those teams that maybe has to win four games to win a national title, you get a little bit of a breather of that ten days after that after that first game but i mean i hear I hear where you're coming from, that's all I can think of though is, is, as to why that is when everything else is you know a week, a week, and then what, 10 days there between the the Cotton and the College Football Playoff Championship. So, interesting how they're spreading it around. I mean, that'll put the 20 and 21st, that's a Friday-Saturday for the first-round game, so that'll be cool. Uh, then the 31st is on a Tuesday, and January the 1st is on a Wednesday. Um, then you've got uh, the 9th and 10th will get back to a Thursday-Friday, and then the championship on the 20th will be... Uh, a monday so they're going to hit like nearly every day yeah. of the week they're not going to mess with the nfl to, yeah uh, dodge the nfl and and just get this uh into into the various slots which will be interesting so yeah you're looking at like a wednesday and a tuesday and a thursday and a friday and a saturday and a monday uh to, to get it all in there but that's it's going to be awfully interesting uh how much better or Worse for some people in their eyes it is. I know that Ross also put out what that would actually look like, and that was pretty fascinating to see the actual bracket and and what we would get in terms of Oregon and Missouri uh, playing, and then going to face the uh, the Wolverines. You know, in the second round you'd have Florida State and Liberty. Uh, and then they would go play Alabama in the second round in the Orange Bowl. Uh, it would be the Cotton for Michigan and either Oregon or versus either Oregon versus Missouri. Then Florida State or Liberty versus Bama in the Orange. Uh, Ohio State or Ole Miss versus Washington in the Fiesta. And then Georgia or Penn State versus Texas in the Peach. And uh, very much looking forward to to seeing how all that goes. Rose and Sugar is the semis, and uh, very much. Uh, excited for the home games in the first yeah, round of the playoffs. That's going to be really intriguing how all that goes. But uh, yeah, we're now in the 12 team playoff era officially.
6: Brett McMurphy, Action Network HQ. Uh, one of, if you think about a guy that's all over it when it comes to college football, from coaching changes to realignment to just football in general. Great to have him on when we can. Brett, thanks for your time. How mental was Michigan more mentally or physically tough this season?
9: Uh, how about both? Um, you know, I think they that I think the the allegations with the sign stealing and the NCAA and all that noise. I think that actually worked to their advantage. They used it. You know, not not that an undefeated number one seed needs any additional motivation or. Um, anything like that, but it was kind of like, gave them that extra, if you will, that kind of chip on their shoulder that, hey, let's prove all these guys wrong. We're, we're better than everybody else. That's, you know, that's cheating stuff. It's like, believe them or not, Harbaugh said, you know, there's, they're innocent, they didn't do anything. <laughs> Fine, whatever, but let's prove everybody we're the best team and, you know, and just make no doubt about it. And, um, you know, I thought going into the, the final against Washington. I thought it was a bad matchup for Washington. I correctly, uh, had Michigan minus the points. And, uh, I just thought it was a big mismatch on the, on both interior lines, even though Washington had the, you know, won the Joe Moore award for the best offensive line in the country. Uh, Michigan's defense is something they haven't seen. Washington is great as Penix is, and I'm not taking anything away from him, but. Michigan had the number two ranked pass defense in the nation. Washington until last night had not faced a pass defense in the top 50. So I think we saw the difference when Penix was missing a lot of these throws. He usually hit usually connected on because he didn't have the time that he's used to having um, to sit back there and pick apart people. But, um, you know, whatever, you know, asterisk, no asterisk, tainted, whatever, you know, if you're, if you're a Michigan fan, it's, uh, you know, nothing to see here, move along. If you're not a Michigan fan, it's uh, getting the death penalty, but only first after we do a public stoning. So <laughs> you're not going to change anybody's mind on that, but they've got the championship and you can't take it away from them. And now, you know, we go into the you know, 24-7 Harbaugh watch.
5: Yeah, I was just about to ask you about that. He's done everything that he set out to do at Michigan, and he still doesn't have that Super Bowl in the NFL, and he's flirted with the NFL you know, seemingly every year since he got to Michigan, it feels like. And I know especially recently, if you, if you had to put money on it, would you bet that he is the coach of the Chargers or Titans or someone next week?
9: Well, I don't know when, but I, yeah, I think, I don't think he'll return to Michigan. People that actually fairly close to the folks in the program before this season told me they didn't think Harbaugh would be there after this year. And again, that's just them kind of reading the tea leaves or whatever. Not like it was a done deal, but and that was before all this stuff happened with the NCAA and with the sign stealing. And, you know, you're right. He's made three consecutive trips to the college football playoff. He won the first national title and, Um, you know, 20 26 years, and yeah, what else is there to do there? But I think the biggest thing is he doesn't necessarily want to deal with all the NCA stuff, with the sign ceilings, you know, implications. I mean, they could they could suspend him for a number of games next year if he returns. And does he want to? Does he want to deal with that? I just think ultimately. I always thought he was an NFL guy. I'm actually surprised. I, I thought, I didn't think he would have stuck around Ann Arbor this long, but he did and it's paid off. But I just think, you know, he will again, he's got to have an offer. He's not going to just leave and not go somewhere. But yeah, if there's an NFL franchise out there willing to give him everything he wants, I'd be shocked if he returns to Michigan.
4: Brett, that was the last hurrah for the four-team playoff. We know we're moving to the 12-team. It's just a matter of what that's going to look like in the long run. We we know for the next couple of years. But um, there was that delay in moving the format to a 5-7 as opposed to the 6-6. I know there's been a lot of, well, it's going to get done, it's going to get done. Do you see that as being that much of a layup, or is there more going on behind the scenes? How did you sort of read the the playoff, I guess, reformatting talks uh, continuing on?
9: Yeah, well, basically, you know, it has to be unanimous for the the change in the format. And that means, you know, the PAC-2 has a vote. And so they could could block it. They could. But people I talk to are like, okay, um, you know, Oregon State and Washington State are kind of, you know, going into a gunfight with a spork. And, um, you know, you can sit there and beat your chest and say, we're not going to do it. We're not going to do it. Fine, you don't want to change it, okay? But then you know what that means? There's going to be hell to pay down the road um, when they do the the new um, extension of the 12-team playoff, which begins in three years. They all they're trying to do is get these last two years of the current 12-year deal. So then, when the new ones go forward, that's when they can totally, you know, put the screws to Oregon State, and Washington State. So I think. Oregon State and Washington State is doing it, you know, kind of as a negotiating toy, although I don't know specifically what they're trying to do, trying to get more money, trying to get something, access, whatever. But no, I, I, it'll, it'll, it'll get, it'll get done. It won't be an issue. And it was kind of telling that, um, Mississippi State president, who's the chair of the president's committee for the college football playoffs said, you know, look, it, it, five and seven will get done. And it's, it, you know, how presidents are. Presidents really don't get walk out on a on a limb, um, so he he's pretty uh, secure in the fact that it will go to a five and seven, which is good news for the for the Big Twelve because that means whoever wins that crazy conference next year mm. is probably going to have a first round buy. be the top the top four conference champions get a get a first round buy. So
6: hmm. yeah, I, I didn't think that far ahead, but that that is a uh... That's a heck of a deal for a conference that right they're gonna we don't know what's gonna happen with all the new incoming teams and also the ones that remain. What do you what is the reaction? Well, I saw stories and obviously you've been all over as well as the revenue sharing of the college football playoff moving forward. When it comes to someone like SMU joining the ACC, they already were giving up a lot to have this opportunity and the possibility they could be also outside. When it comes to getting a fair split, when it comes to the playoff money,
9: yeah, that still has to be settled. Um, and you know, again, what kind of power or leverage does SMU have? Uh, not really much. So, um, you know, it, it's just you know, the SEC and the Big Ten simply aren't going to give up the revenue just because. Oh, here you go. Oh, you're in a you're in a power. Power Four league now. Okay, here you go. You get the same revenue. It's not going to work simply work that that uh, that easy. So we'll have to see what happens. But you know they're in the ACC, so you know they'll hopefully they can win the ACC and get in the playoffs. But that'll be uh, they're kind of in the same position as Oregon State and Washington State. They can kind of protest things and you know raise hell and all that. But ultimately, I don't know how much leverage or power they're going to have to be able to, to do anything when you've got everybody else basically saying ah, you know what we don't think you should get the same percentage.
5: Brett uh, the ACC and Florida State are uh, locking horns in the, in the legal realm now uh, where how long do you think that will take to even get to a point where we start talking about what the real exit strategies are for Florida State if there even really
9: are any well they've they have exit strategies, and that's to get the hell out of Dodge and not <laughs> have to pay the grant of rights. And the ACC has the exact opposite. You're not, we're not uh, you know, giving you your grant of rights because they go for 13 more years and you, you sign these grant of rights tr- on two different occasions. So why would we say that we don't have to honor them? I mean, the ACC know what's at stake, and you guys do too. If Florida State is able to get, I mean, they've climbed the wall and now they're taking bullets. If they can survive, then there will be others over the wall. You know, North Car- the North Carolina schools, Clemson, Miami, um, Virginia schools. And then the ACC basically becomes a version of the Pac-12. I think the ACC would survive just because of geography. They'll be able to, you know, pick warm or cold bodies from the American Conference and whatever's left of, you know, Boston College, Syracuse, those schools. Um, but there's, there's simply not, you know, we would go from basically, well, there's a power to now, but for major conferences, the basically three major conferences, um, the big two and the big 12, and then the ACC would be, we'd be fighting to, to keep its head above water. But I don't think this is going to be quick. The ACC, I know I've talked to a number of people this, you know, this past week in Houston, ACC simply not going to say write us a hundred billion dollar check, whatever the number is, because they know if it's that easy, then basically the conference is in shambles.
4: Brett, circling back to the the SMU topic that uh, Paul brought up, was that incredibly bad news for the likes of an, a Memphis, a Boise State, all those various schools that you know have been knocking on doors for the last several years trying to get a spot at that table. Is the message going to be sent of like, hey, there's there's no newcomers after this last wave? How, how did you take that from their standpoint?
9: You know, I don't really think it impacts them because I don't think any of the major conferences want to add any more schools. You know, the Big 12 well, – Any more group of five schools, I'll put it that way. Yeah, right. Um, you know, if the ACC splinters and the Big 12, you know, geography doesn't matter anymore, but Pitt and Louisville certainly would make a lot of sense for the Big 12. Um, you know, the SEC, the Big 10, if they add any schools, they're going to be from the ACC. They're not going to be from the group of five. So it's really not going to impact them. I guess if the ACC loses some more schools, they've got to, they've got to stay at 15 to keep that ESPN deal intact. So then they may go to get them, but at that point, um, you know, it's, it's all about survival. So, you know, those guys, um, unfortunately, I think, you know, SMU may have, may have been the last one to get a lifeboat off the off the Titanic, if you will, because I really, and I hate, I absolutely hate this. People think, cause I talk about it, I'm, I love it or I'm in favor. I don't, I hate it. But the reality is if you're not in a power conference, you're going to be obsolete and I hate that and it sucks, but that's, that's the way we're going. And the question is how many – does the power power conferences get whittled down even more? I mean, a lot of people have said that's a possibility, so I have to see.
6: Brett, last question from me uh, and us. Thank you for your time again and all the travels you have throughout the year. the uh, The college football calendar never stops because of the portal and NIL and the realignment, which we've discussed with you even today. Do you see – is it possible that we might see at least a normal type offseason in college football, or is that possible anymore?
9: <laughs> Describe normal to me. <laughs> I forgot what it's, it is. I
6: forgot what it is. It's been so long. No, but dude, I, yeah. yeah,
9: no, I mean, no, we're not. I mean, come on. We got, you know, we got the Harbaugh going to the NFL, mm-hmm. you know, and then the domino effects of that. You know, there's other. You know, I mean, again, who knows if these NFL owners, do they have their eyes on any other college coaches? You know, what's the domino effect with Harbaugh? And then you look at the ongoing player compensation stuff. Oh, yeah. Charlie Baker trying to revamp the NCAA. That's going to always continue to go on. You know, we've got the 12-team playoff. Somebody tweeted out the schedule. I heard you guys mention it. That stuff's going on while the portal's open. And I asked my Hart, Michigan assistant coach, I said, he was talking about the 12 playoff and opt outs, you know, with the four team um, in the in the non playoff games, the four team. And I said, Mike, do you see do you see a situation in the future where kids could opt out of the 12 team playoff? And he's like, Brad, he goes, I I is a for me an old school guy. I'm going to play every game I can play, but I understand it's a different time. And yeah, I could see a time where some kids may opt out of if they're involved in a 12 team playoff and it's just, yeah. So all this stuff's going on, you know, what's going to happen with the non-playoff bowls? Um, you know, are, are they going to survive or some, some of those going to go away? So, um, the new normal is there's no normal anymore. I'm afraid for the next, uh, yeah. probably like five years at least. It's great
6: for our business. It's also, it, could, oh, it could yeah. be yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Brett. As always great stuff. I, I know the year has ended, But like you said, it never is. It's always going to be front and center. Brett McMurphy, great at what he does. Action Network HQ with us at the game last night between Michigan and also Washington. Just uh, every day. Transfer portal closed doesn't matter because some compliance departments take longer than others to clear them. And it's every day, every single day. And that's on top of whatever's looming again eventually with the constant scratching of the itch when it comes to florida state or whoever uh else in the acc for smu and i know that not everybody was all like wanted like big 12 that the that, that smu is an easy target but they sit there and they make the commitment okay we'll cover our own revenue and yet there's still even though six million dollars seems like a drop in the bucket for them then that might not happen and but they kind of probably knew that, too. You would think in advance that there was a way that they maybe held out of even some of the other revenue that they thought they would get.
4: Yeah, well, you know, I saw some comparisons being made to, well, why did uh, BYU and Cincinnati and Houston, and they were all allowed to just jump in and blah, 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 and why is it different? It's like, but they were invited. You know, there's, there's a major difference. For one, is SMU guys basically like, please let us in this, like, We'll do anything to get it. We'll not take money for the first several years. We'll pay our own way. just For the love of God, please let us in this thing because they saw the door close and they saw the water starting to leak in, and they did the smart move, which is whatever you had to do to get on that last raft, right? That's what they did. But that's where the the difference is, is the others, the Big 12 was just trying to survive. Um, The ACC didn't have to go and get SMU. No. But they got talked into going and getting SMU, the Big 12 had to go get teams or they were going to Crater. And they did it at a time that was different than fast-forwarding two, three years, and we're in a much different spot now than we were when those schools were being brought on board. And like was always puzzling to me is, is part of why I asked them the question about you see all this stuff about, well, the Pack will survive and they'll go get San Diego State. And they'll, it's like there's not more teams being invited, yeah. guys. There's not more invitations going out. Unless something's just drastically changing that we're entirely unaware of, and not something that's like happening, but like I mean, something like er, like seismic earthquake changes would have to occur to where all of a sudden they're like, you know what, we want more teams to come and be a part. No, they want no, less. they want less. It's the yeah. whole idea of the power two, and that's why the thing of yeah. the
6: super two, like you said, right. is always going to be hovering, even for those who are a part of the sixty-five. Yeah, absolutely, that there's always that possibility. They like, got you got to keep. Well, eyes in the back of your head like your mother used to have
4: brought it up yesterday if you're the big 12 like you're not only if you're smart at least you're not only looking at what you could potentially do which that would beg and bring into question of okay if you want to go the whole fantasy scenario of okay the acc falls apart and here's who you can go pick up fine i I mean we're nowhere close to that right now because there's not anything that's you know beyond just discussions happening at, at this point but the idea of well, go grab rice and Tulane, and no, they're not like that's that's not what is is all being lined up right now, so um very curious to see how that affects what a Washington state and Oregon State attempt to do because that is going to directly affect them, and how that's viewed and and this whole exclusivity part of it I, I do think that or that's why I asked him the question about uh, Boise State and Memphis and and those schools that's all. A Memphis fan just yesterday was was going back and forth about, you know, their possibilities, and uh, I I don't think they're great right now, you know, barring something, like I said, something cataclysmic that I'm just not taking into account because I I view it as the ship's, like, setting sail, not it's hanging around for – everybody to make sure that they have a spot. is It's the opposite. It's like you're trying to leave some people behind intentionally. So, yeah, that's, that's a tough pill to swallow, but I think the writing's been on the wall there, and I think the writing's on the wall even when talking about others of, like, if you're the Big 12 and Brett Yormark, yeah, you're going out and you're talking about what you might do or you're looking at what you might do, but you also better have eyes in the back of your head that, like, Kansas isn't talking to the Big 10 right now, right, or that there's not – and there's not many options, but that would be one of the options that you would look at and say, who could they possibly lose in a in a shakeup of things? That's one school. So, yeah, I, I think that the, the music marches on, and we're not at the end just yet, but what it all looks like moving forward is a big part of whatever happens with Florida State.
6: Yeah, Jacob, by the way, uh, is there a, if there is a power, too, what do the other teams compete for? Do they have their own championship? Yeah, there might be, like, between FCS And whatever you want to call that ultimate, whatever that is, there might be another sliver for a different championship tournament. I don't know. Yeah. I I really don't know. That's a great Uh,
4: question that everybody would love to know an answer to. What would that look like? Because you do have the fear that even if you're a Big 12 school or an ACC school or whatever of like, are we going to not be invited? I mean, that's the thing, too, is like you're not feeling entirely safe right now, especially the ACC, because you know there's ongoing issues occurring And I'm saying for the Big 12, you feel safe, but I would always be, Brett, your mark having one eye you know, open at all times of like, okay, we good? Is everybody still good? All right, we good. But, yeah, I mean, how that would look, I don't know. I mean, the whole argument being proposed by those in favor of something like that is, well, those teams just simply won't be able to have the money to compete. Not that – West Virginia was spending the same as Ohio State to begin with, but with the amount of money TV-wise that'll be coming in, it's going to be so much larger that, well, it's going to be too uneven of a playing field. And I'm not saying that. That's just what the argument for something like that occurring will be. Others, like Bill Hancock's, no, everybody's going to be involved, and there's, you know, but... I trust him as far as I could throw him. Yeah, I, So I, I don't know, but that is the, the concern for everybody not in that top two right now well, is like, do they eventually go try to do the real NFL thing, the the, the NFL light model? I, I don't know if that's realistic or not.
5: What has Greg Sankey done? And this is why uh, uh, like, people should be nervous. What has Greg Sankey done that is for the the good of the many and not the good of the SEC? And I know it's his job to defend the sec but sometimes you can do but that don't you have to, to have
6: some sort of a compass that's what's best for the sport too yeah that's my point is like i know it's his job to
5: defend the I mean, sec how much is how much but how much do you go over the line of like well i only care about the sec and then at the end of it you look around but and he the, then
6: will backtrack and act like he cares about what is but, good for but, all of but college he, football
5: but he's there's never been a thing that he supported that hasn't benefited the sec first which and, is his job and that's his job but also sometimes like yeah look you know um it's good to support things to to do your job but sometimes there's things there's there just comes to the line of right and wrong and what's good for everybody as opposed to what's just just good for you and but he's not the only one.
6: yeah no he's not the only one has a big huge massive but
5: yeah i'm using him as an example because he's now the longest tenure commissioner in this whole deal and his line has been straight you know and so because of that and because the other commissioners are going to have to, to approach things similarly if, they, if they're going to even carve out their niche, it does make it very scary because you don't know. like If this is the guy who's got the most power or the most people behind
6: him then, or the biggest money behind him, then we know how the train works in you America. It runs like, in one direction. Do you know what it's like, and I don't, but do you know what it's like to have the most power and also know it? It's powerful. Yeah. It's, 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 it's very, yeah, very powerful. It is. <laughs> yeah. Um,
4: yeah. I mean, he he does not care about Iowa State, I don't think. You know, he doesn't care about TCU. I mean, you would hope there is part of him that wants what's best for the sport, but I, I could also see someone like him uh, or others like him say, well, what's best for the sport is to per- quit pretending like Ohio mm-hmm. State is Iowa State mm-hmm. and to break away. Now, that does – Beg other questions of, okay, so you're telling me that Indiana is, like, so much better than tcu or south carolina right so i mean you vanderbilt. get it, vanderbilt obviously the the everybody's uh kick toy but no i i think that the whole idea of the big break off or however you want to phrase it that is something that's been looming ever since OU and in texas made their and now or they didn't make their but brett zorneman made their exits public and so that's been a, a topic of conversation ever since then and it's only heating up now because of Florida State, for example, if they were to move, then that just further pushes that, you know, those chips right into the middle uh, with everybody else in those two conferences. So yeah, it's it's a problem for everybody all at the same time in a way.
6: And then you're the conference who has this commissioner that knows he's powerful and is powerful, and then you add two more comp, two more schools that are like thinking the same way with Texas and also Oklahoma. All right, Craig's off the radar. Around the corner, Jake Butt, former Michigan tight end, part of the Big Ten Network on what the Wolverine family, all of what it means besides the obvious. Uh, At 5.30, there's a chance we're going to be able to get a guest who's one of the finalists for the Earl Campbell Tyler Rose Award. Working on that. Paul's top five. This is 365 Sports.
4: Richard Carr, Buick GMC Cadillac. They are the people that you can count on and I can attest to that. I've counted on them more than a few times, and I know plenty of others that have counted on Richard Carr, whether it's going to get their vehicle worked on or whether it's going to purchase a vehicle, whether that be a new or pre-owned selection. They can take care of all of those various things for you over at Richard Carr. And right now, they've got the Buicks, which are a perfect combination of first-class luxury and value like no other SUV. Ranked number one overall brand for new vehicle quality by J.D. Powers, the Buick Envision offers amazing value. And right now, you can save 5000 on a Buick Envision. And qualified buyers can get... financing on Buick and their top-rated SUVs. Plus, military and first responders can save an additional $500. Restrictions do apply, so see dealer for details, but you can – Go on over to the dealership, give them a phone call, send an email to get more information on the lineup of Buicks, but in particular, that top-rated Buick Envision. And maybe you're not looking to buy new, but still good news for you if you're searching for a vehicle because they trade for the best, and therefore they have a lot full of quality pre-owned cars and trucks in stock. 100 used cars and trucks to choose from. All inspected with 172-point inspection and the Richard Carr seal of approval. The financing goal at Richard Carr is always 100% credit approval. They say yes when others say no. So check out the dealership that's been in business for over two decades here in Central Texas and during that time has built a reputation as the people you can count on for your automotive needs. Richard Carr is run by proud Central Texans. Proud Baylor Bears. Log on to RichardCarr.com today. Call now or go see them now off Highway 6 at the Imperial Exit.
2: Developed by Startup Waco, a nonprofit organization, GXG is a program designed to support the entrepreneurial development of Baylor University student athletes through NIL activations. The program helps student athletes maximize their platforms and offers a comprehensive support system for them to create and grow new businesses that not only benefit themselves, but also uplift the local economy. Fans who wish to support student athletes can donate to GXG via the GXG NIL. BaylorBears.com slash GXG. Contributions to support NIL activations through GXG can be made at BaylorBears.com slash GXG. For more information, follow at GXG underscore Green X Gold on social media and visit the official website www.gxg.startupwaco.com. GXG, empowering student athlete entrepreneurship and uplifting the local economy through NIL. NIL activations. Hetty Clinic Men's
6: Healthcare in Woodway is now proud to offer you men an exceptional weight management body sculpting product called semaglutide, also known as Ozempic or Wegovy. Semaglutide is an FDA-approved weight management medication once a week injections of this powerful medication offers an average body fat weight loss of 20% within the first year of treatment. In addition to body sculpting, semaglutide also normalizes blood sugars and has the clinical research proof of reducing blood pressure, cholesterol, stroke, and heart attack risk. If you're like most men and you have stubborn fat that will just not respond to typical diets and exercise, then help us finally here. Semaglutide, affordable, highly effective, good Google search Petty Clinic Waco and reach out to the Petty Clinic team today for a free consultation with Dr. Petty to see if semaglutide is right for you. Go to PettyClinicLowT.com.
1: this is craig smokes off the radar presented by alliance bank they take pride in making banking easy alliancebanktexas.com
4: welcome to off the radar here on 365 sports it's a tuesday it's around 4:45. so tuesdays and thursdays around this time is when we settle in for just a slight departure from the norm uh, with various stories from the world of sports and that will include some college football in this edition as uh, there are some things I want to get the fellas thoughts on but uh, we do have the ratings in from last night's championship game and it is a big number is it yeah
5: Paul what would you think the number but at least I mean look the this Rose Bowl was 27 million or something like that, right? So I would say it's in that ballpark again. I mean it's Michigan again, and it's for the national title. It's for the national right. title, there's no NFL on.
6: I think I would get this one wrong. but what, do you, what is it?
4: What, well, you mean you're: gonna I'll say 26.: f- I'm
6: going to say 24.
4: Okay, well, right in the middle. Average 25.05 million viewers across the whole family of ESPN networks, all have their various casts and everything else. I just, I don't. Do you guys watch all the no, other no, extra no, stuff? No,
6: I saw the calendar, or I, I get what they're doing, but I I can't keep up with it just on the TV, mm-hmm. uh, cable. So trying to go to the other parts, no, I'm out on that.
4: Yeah, I mean, we all watch ESPN Deportes, and then, no, <laughs> no I mean, but I if. If um, you ask me, like, how many times I've watched any of those other casts, I mean, I've I've tried to check into those but i always find myself drifting back to just the regular you do too garrett you always drift back every to time. the regu- every every regular time, broadcast and i've tried the mcafee for monday night football and and so, or manning i should say uh for for monday night football and i'll do that depending on the guest for maybe a second but i always go back to the other broadcast mm-hmm. i just i guess this is the traditionalist in me but 25.05 million viewers across the espn network's most watched title game since lsu clemson In 2020, which had about 500,000 more viewers, but a big jump up from last year's Georgia TCU game, up 45% as uh, Georgia's blowout of the Frogs uh, had a little over 17 million, so nearly 8 million more viewers for uh, last night's championship game versus the year prior, which, given the brands involved, like you knew TCU wasn't going to be able to carry the the millions and millions mm-hmm. of, of people being a smaller school like the brands that we had last night. But Michigan is a TV draw, fellows. The top <laughs> three broadcast of the entire college football season last night, though, was number two. Their semifinal against Alabama. 27.76 million last week in the Rose Bowl. That was the highest-rated game all year long. Last night's twenty-five oh five, the second highest-ranked. And then their matchup with Ohio State, the third highest-ranked, 19.07 million for that one.
6: They were around number one most of the year. Unbeaten most of the year, you had this massive story. No, they were unbeaten the entire Un- Sorry, year. Right. Yeah. They had this massive story that followed them around everywhere. That was just like took the grips and uh, the throat of college football. They have a coach that's. Uh,
5: a Polarizing. Lightning rod, rod. polarized, yeah. yeah,
6: and and by the way, they're damn good. I, it, oh,
5: and uh, they have one of the largest alumni bases on God's earth. Right. So, anything. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. that's the thing. You know, when you look across, I remember looking across like social media and like seeing all like just the sports media people that went to Michigan, like mm-hmm. Rich Eisen and Tracy Wolfson and and uh, Dave Portnoy. Like, there's they have so many like yeah. big time alum. Like, they have so many alums. So that's just. Three people I rattle off that are at the higher levels of, of our business that I happen to follow on social media. That doesn't even include, like, you know, guys who are dentists. Yeah. You know, like, that's yeah. it. Like, they have doesn't so... Doesn't even
4: include superfan Derek Jeter. Yeah, yeah. exactly.
5: <laughs> Derek, that, Derek Jeter, Stephen A. Smith, Michael Michael Jordan, all that booze. That was quite the trio by... in that booze. Yeah, I, I was... was thinking,
4: like... Man, Stephen A is just living it up right now. He's yeah. in between Jordan that was a and Jeter. power play, man. Oh, yeah. You talk yeah. about For him, flexing muscles. I think the yeah. ESPN cameras were on the walkie talkies like, he's in position. Ksh, yeah. You know, get the shot now. He's right there between Jordan and Jeter, their, their, you know, their prize but on ESPN. Yeah. Part of
5: me wonders if, like, he, he, Got his way in there, and he like forced his way to the front, and then like Michael's like, okay, you can go now. <laughs> no, I mean <laughs> no, yeah. I didn't like, it. but uh, <laughs> we don't need this guy in here uh, telling our secrets. But it, it did seem
4: like the odd man out, just in terms of athletic ability. Yeah, you know, I mean, that was, that was the,
5: not the only like big time athlete that was in that.
4: Oh no, there yeah. was a ton of other people yeah. in that booth. Yeah, yeah I know, But so. he, he had, pro- he he has to have a picture of that from last night. That's getting blown up as we speak. Yeah. Because, I mean, when is he going to have a cameo like that? The middle of the national championship game, you got Jordan on one side, Jeter on the other, chopping it up with him. So, yeah, that was was the
6: other guy whose name kept on being dropped in that mix Travis Scott.
4: Oh, yeah, Travis Scott, who's a, a hip-hop a artist, so yeah, okay. you're not going to be too familiar with him. If you are, then that's that's crazy. <laughs> that'd be, that'd be I was going to rattle mode. off
6: a couple of his songs, but that's okay. I mean, I mean if we, you we, did, I'd,
4: no. I'd respect you more, I think, for for being able to do that, but <laughs> yeah, so that was uh, big numbers for the national championship game last night. Not a, not a real surprise there, but Michigan does end with the three most-watched games of the entire year, and... To Paul's point as well, this is exactly why you see various accounts who I you know get paid for views or hits, whatever. This is why they attack the big brands. They have the biggest fan bases and the biggest mm. audiences and the most interactions. So when you see somebody just trolling Michigan, I mean you're going to get a response because there's a billion of those folks. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's part of uh, you know, teasing Texas fans or whatever people aim to do to get those. It's
6: like kicking your foot into a fire ant. Yeah, line. Ohio yeah.
4: State, so on and so forth. So, anyways, there's a, there's a look at the ratings from last night, a very healthy number, and I think the CFP folks have to be uh, pretty excited by all of that. Now, this came out yesterday, and I just wanted to, to get your guys' thoughts on what you think of the latest college football hall of fame class it's a pretty lengthy list of the inductees that will be going in but we did learn this list officially the 2024 hall of fame class presented by uh they're announced by the national football foundation um, and the college hall of fame uh, but here are the players involved and there's a, a little bit of flavor from all over here justin blackman Oklahoma State wide receiver. Man, one of the, washed, you yeah. washed out quickly. He, yeah. he had some addiction issues. Yeah. He had some various off-the-field issues that really derailed what should have otherwise been an exceptional career. Um, you know, got drafted by the Jags and then just seemingly couldn't get out of his own way. But you talk about one of the best to ever – Put on the orange and black, one of the best to ever play in the Big 12, a league that's had a lot of really great receivers, guys. But Justin Blackman was special. Yeah, yeah. um, That's why he's getting the Hall of Fame nod. And it's a shame that, you know, the pro career didn't work out better. Hope he's doing all right just in general. Yeah. um, But – you know, you got that that Hall of Fame nod, and that's got to be pretty cool for him. So I'm going to just go through, and when you want to talk about somebody, just put your hand up or something like Eliminate that. Eliminate the Florida State guys. Because uh, Justin we don't Blackman, wide receiver, Oklahoma State, UCLA tight tailback. Excuse me, Paul Cameron, Kentucky quarterback Tim Couch, FSU running back Warwick Dunn.
5: I no for my money of all the like there are Florida State's had a lot of really exciting players. I think number one is Dion. I don't think you can kind of take that away because he was so different. But right there, maybe number 1A as far as an exciting player, uh, Warwick Dunn was right there. I mean, he was – he wasn't just – Peter Warwick? Warwick is underneath those two. Like, he's really good. But, like, Warwick Dunn, man, like, they they wasn't – I'd never seen a direct snap before. And then FSU did it with Warwick Dunn, and it was – it almost worked every time. That they did the direct snap to work done. And he was, he was just so dynamic and good. And, um, yeah, this is this is great. He's a guy who probably he's not going to make the NFL Hall of Fame because he's in the Hall of Good when it comes to NFL players, he's really good NFL charitable player. Hall of Fame, but yeah. yeah, but he's a fantastic human being who's done a lot of things for a lot of people. And he's this a is, great college
6: football. Player. This is a great college football player. So this is a great thing. I'm happy for him. Loved. We've had him on uh, a couple of times. Fantastic dude.
4: Appalachian State quarterback Armani Edwards, who. Uh, has a little bit of a different memory than most when watching Michigan. You know, somebody to yeah, yeah. watch that. And he's like, "Oh yeah, beat those yep. guys." Uh, had one of those great moments in college football history. Colorado corner Dion Figures, good Pitt, player. Yeah, pit wide receiver Larry Fitzgerald. Yep. Yeah, one of uh, maybe,
5: a, of the last generation, one of the best oh, wide receivers. I mean, like sure. like the top, like you even uh, taking uh, guys like Devontae Smith who won the Heisman. Who's our good
6: he, friend from Mejia that's still with the Cardinals?
4: Kelvin Beach. Kelvin, Kelvin Beach.
6: tweeted out how proud he was to know Larry Fitzgerald and excited about him yeah. being a part of that class.
4: One of the best performances I've ever seen, and I saw it in person on a whim, was uh, Larry Fitzgerald against the Aggies at oh, College Station. Yeah, that was. I uh, saw incredible. that in person. That, that was, was a rough, rough day for the Aggies. Yeah, that was that was something else to see. Uh, Stanford running back Toby Gerhart. Uh, also, kind Ar- of a banger, wasn't he? Big oh yeah, dude. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Uh Arkansas defensive tackle Dan Hampton, Michigan great uh, player. Yeah, Michigan guard Steve Hutchinson, another one. Alabama corner Antonio Langham, a heck of a player.
6: We're
5: back with the uh, Gene, Gene saw played with George Teague too. Yeah. He was on that uh,
4: team that upset Miami. Yeah. Marshall wide receiver Randy Moss, never heard of him. Should have been a Florida State Seminole absolutely going into the sh- Hall of Fame. <laughs> absolutely should have. Arcane but, rules about marijuana. Yeah. <laughs> the stupid uh, stupid uh, pot getting in the way of that, I guess. But uh, North Carolina defensive end Julius Peppers, Penn State linebacker Paul Puslesny, uh, Oklahoma nose guard Dewey Selman. He was uh, part of the Selman brothers. A lot of time uh, Leroy gets most of
6: the attention yeah. because of his NFL career. But De- Lucius and Dewey. Uh, we're both. I mean, that, the, all three of them together during those mid seventies uh, Oklahoma teams were incredible.
4: Also, Utah quarterback Alex Smith, uh, Texas A and M cornerback Kevin Smith, Pup. There you yeah. go. Ohio State offensive tackle Chris Ward and Shadron State running back Danny Woodhead. That is your class of players for the twenty twenty four College Football Hall of Fame. Which well, which we, try to get Pup
6: on? Yeah, who Pup? Kevin Smith. Okay. Yeah, uh, He has not responded for a couple of years, but
4: I'll try to speak. <laughs> yeah. Leave him one more voicemail. Maybe that'll do the trick. And then coaches, Mark D'Antonio uh, from his time this with hurt Cincinnati and Michigan State. Beat Baylor in the Cotton Bowl. Yeah. Danny Hale uh, from his time at Westchester and Bloomsburg, both in Pennsylvania. They and do in... a
6: great job of going to just not, it's yeah. not all just a bunch of the big boy schools. They do a great job. Chadron Strait and also what you mentioned there.
4: Yeah, and then uh, also Frank Solich from his time at Nebraska, uh, but also from uh, as much as anything his time with Ohio, where he was for the longest and up until just a couple of years ago. So 19 players, three coaches a part of that 2024 class, and I just wanted to to roll through those names because a uh, little bit of memory laying there and also just kind of cool to – to see all of those folks involved and those being included. So, the white, the uh, solid Ward, class. The
6: Ward offensive tackle from Ohio State was a beast, too. He was a. Uh, uh, Julius, Julius Pepper's up now for Pro Football Hall of Fame. Is he, who? He'll be getting close. Yeah. He,
5: he was fantastic. He
6: was. Um, I thought I remember John McClain you, mentioning
5: do, him. Do you remember um, North Carolina used
4: to line him up a wide receiver and run fade routes with him? Mm. Like, he was so athletic. So yeah, show, yeah he was a freak yeah. show. All right. So, elsewhere. There is going to be probably some uh, college football effects on uh, the, you know, when it comes to the NFL coaching carousel, potentially as we talked about Jim Harbaugh, uh, as uh, we see more moves being made today. The Titans, in a bit of a shocking move, uh, just based on reactions around the country, moving on from Mike Vrabel. And Diana Rossini was one of those chiming in on why Tennessee decided to make this move, said that the Titans believe that trading. Vrabel was too complicated and take too long. Per sources, they wanted to move on quickly. I was told Vrabel never asked ownership for a trade or asked out of Tennessee. You're like, that sounds like a player, but no, that's coaching for you. Is uh, you know, you can do that as well, but I guess that wasn't in the card. So he is gone after six seasons. And um, tough yeah. as
6: nails. Do you think that he might end up in New England if Belichick leaves?
4: That's what a lot of the smoke oh, just seems thought. to be, and that's a lot of the I don't know would, if there's smoke uh, as much as that is just people going. That would seem to be yeah, the obvious. I would jump. love yeah.
6: Washington to have a shot at him. I don't know if that's the possibility, but I'd love it. I think, I mean, I think he could instill that. I, I don't know. I like, like his style. Yeah. I know they've regressed a little bit, but I just, I like his style. I I, I like how, well, you know. I don't know if they were, regr- look, they lost Arthur Smith.
5: I don't think he made a great hire at offensive coordinator after that, you know. And Arthur Smith is also one of those guys who's unemployed now. Um, so, I, you know, that they, they, they got old along the offensive line. It's not like you can just go. Especially when you have three guys in the offensive line like retire within two years. Think about who they had it's, a
6: quarterback and they still won for a while. Yeah.
5: So, yeah, I think a lot of that, like the team got old. Look, Derrick Henry probably played his last game in Tennessee. Ryan Tannehill's played his last game in Tennessee. They're about to move on with, with they're going to try with Will Levis and see what happens. Mm-hmm. But they hired a new GM last year. These things are inevitable. Mike Vrabel will win somewhere else it it sucks that it didn't work out in tennessee cuz that seemed like a good match but you know this this is also uh, bud adams daughter so i i think if if anything you know she did not uh, inherit any of his i mean she maybe even inherited some of his he was not a sentimental guy at all so uh, that stuff kind of goes out the door so we'll see you know i i, I I hope the Titans, because I'm married to a Titans fan and uh, into a Titans family, I hope that they're fun to watch here in the future. But they're in a rebuild mode uh, right now, and they might be tearing it down to the rivets.
6: Yeah, he might be glad he's leaving, although you don't want to get fired. It may be an opportunity for him to to not be as far behind the curve.
4: Yep, so there is another NFL job opening there in Tennessee. We did learn New Orleans will not move on from uh, Dennis Allen. They're going to stick with him. So that is one job that will not be opening up, but there's a ton of... No coordinator moves being made and and requests. Uh, that are going around for, you know, permission to talk to uh, various candidates. And I actually saw uh, one of the more interesting notes. He brought up Washington, but they've apparently uh, asked for permission to speak to Will McClay, uh, the Cowboys' vice president. Would be
6: stupid not to. I just can't imagine Jerry would let him leave, especially go to Washington. But the
4: Chargers have also asked for permission to speak with Will McClay as well. So we will see, um, as he's been a central figure in everything Dallas has done for going on many years now. There's two things that
5: are... Either going to happen. Either Will McClay is going to finally leave and take a new job or Will McClay is going to get yet another raise. Yes, absolutely. But, you know, and
6: I understand he's treated incredibly well. But he he, he does make a lot. He's been incredible for them with personnel. But there's still the Jerry Steven triangle, right, or I guess dual threat. And why not now go prove it somewhere else where you are your own man? Yeah, I, I, know, I get that. I know the like, value of the Cowboys, but yeah, that'll, I, be, that'll be something he has to think about.
5: Yeah, but, you know, it's also, you know, you, you can say what you will. And, look, Josh Harris, nobody knows because he's he's new. But you can say what you will about Jerry Jones. He's had far more success than Dean Spanos. And,
6: um well, and so and, now Dean Spanos and, and Josh but, Harris are trying to find a guy that's obviously and, given the Cowboys an oomph because oh, they've won three, three straight playoff te- scenes since switzer and if you're a guy who jerry jones doesn't
5: send out the door if you can walk up to him and tell him we need to draft this guy and he doesn't get mad at you uh and send you out the door i think that's one of those things that look and this is just me hoping will mcclay stays but if he goes and gets to be the gm or president of a team he is he earned that five years ago no i I mean long ago so so And, and, and the cowboys it might be just a title thing though
4: yeah i mean if you're comfortable somewhere and you're getting paid well and you're you know, don't want to really start all over. I could see where that would be motivation as well, and it doesn't get much bigger than the Cowboys, but uh, he is going to get other opportunities or at least interviews for other opportunities. So that leaves you with six openings now, Panthers, Raiders, Chargers, Falcons, Commanders, Titans. Uh, And you would think that uh, there's a good chance Mike Vrabel's going to... Uh, perhaps get another one of those jobs, or the Patriots do open up. We'll see what happens there. Uh, But the Saints, at least, saying that they are going to stick with Dennis Allen, so that's one fewer than uh, than maybe you thought there might be. And uh, let me see if there's anything else I wanted to get to here. I think that's about it, with the exception of – yeah, uh, Michael Brantley retiring in baseball. I mean, that's not a huge deal. Yeah, he's he's had a long career. Yeah.
6: He was good during those Astros
4: World yeah, Series teams. Yeah. yeah, he he definitely was. But I'll just make mention of that, something a little non-football related. But Michael Brantley is calling it a career on the diamond. And I'll leave it with this, though, a football note. Uh, Kevin Steele, longtime defensive coordinator, uh, just finished, finished up his third go-round with the Alabama Crimson Tide. And Nick Saban, he is going to retire from coaching. He's 66 this spring, has been in the game for 40 years, 12 as defensive coordinator, and was a finalist for the Broyles Award, according to Chris back in 2017. This is sort of a write-up on him. But uh, obviously, the the man's got a history here. His career after Baylor is... Before incredible. and after, yeah. Before and after is incredible, but that little stint here as the head coach, that did not work out very well. And that's, unfortunately, for most people around here, what they will think of. Everywhere else they think of awesome coach, you know, incredible I'll tell football you that, mind. Man, he
6: made a difference for Osborne in recruiting. They went and got the dudes from Florida. He was incredible for them. At Florida State, he was good. Uh, he was at Tennessee when they were pretty good. He, obviously, with Saban, who brought him back three times. Auburn was uh, the... Well, I think up for the award. But what was the uh, assistant he, coach of the year? He, he, he's the Royals he, award. He's
5: he got like two hundred fifty grand out of Tennessee to be the interim head coach for a little bit. Yeah, uh, I, I after understand. Jeremy Fruits, fans but I like, always
6: think about UNLV. But. When I had a chance to visit with him, he was always a very nice guy. He was not a head coach. No, he, no way.
5: No, and, but, and he he
6: was so bad
5: here that he never got that opportunity again. Uh, and He was the head coach for UNLV,
4: right? No, he was or at that Baylor was and they had a lead and no, no, he tried no, no. to score a touchdown no, that's at the end of the Yeah, yeah for, for that the game. UNLV game. Yes, yeah, for the coach. UL. Yeah, yeah he one was of the he, biggest f- just moronic, I guess, instances hey, of, of a football coaching decision you've ever Mario seen Mario Cristobal wants to disagree, yeah. well, but... Yeah, he, no, agree. Mario
5: Cristobal at least has the... Well, we had an opportunity to stop them after that. Yeah, but, yeah. But, yeah. And, and didn't, so I don't know if that's worse or if it's just the game... Like, there was still time on the clock when Mario Cristobal did that. Right. This was... This good dude's running in the end zone As the with clock. zeros, yeah. Yeah. zeros, ninety or hundred you know, yards. There's in, two things so.
6: he's going to be remembered for. And he was a, gre- I, w- I don't say great because that you. He was a fantastic assistant coach in college, a great recruiter. He will be remembered for two things: being grabbed by Kevin Steele,
4: wasn't it? Kevin in, uh, Green. by
6: Kevin Green on the sideline, and also the UNLV game running in trying to get, emphatically score a touchdown even when the game was over.
4: Yeah, that UNLV play if you haven't seen that it cropped up on uh or popped up on youtube a few years back i i was heard you couldn't find it anywhere and people who knew how to find it wouldn't tell you because it was so embarrassing yeah. for for the baylor faithful but i eventually did find it and it was as bad as as it could be uh that decision there but yeah he has a long uh, storied career so he is calling it wraps uh, after a, a very successful run as an assistant coach and uh, there you go there's a few things off the radar you
6: think about the schools he coached at Tennessee, Nebraska, Florida State, Alabama, Clemson, Auburn, LSU, and Miami.
4: You're not bad if you're going to all those different places. When
6: we come back, Jake Butt, former Michigan tight end, Big Ten Network. His thoughts about the win and what it means for Michigan. This is 365 Sports. Marcos. Marcos Pizza. Pizza lovers get it. Marcos.com where you can go online and order what you want if you're at work and you want to go buy one of the locations in Waco or where you live, because this show, of course, goes coast to coast, if there's a Marcos Pizza near you. Fastest growing pizza brand in America. So there's one now where there wasn't one, maybe even a month or two ago. Marcos Pizza. I love the pepperoni and sausage magnifico, which means extra sausage, extra pepperoni, all of it, and It's just really, really good. If you want salads or sandwiches, you want wings, they have it. Marcos Pizza. Bob Mock with five locations in the Waco area, China Spring, Bellmead, Woodway, Hewitt, and Robinson. Marcos Pizza. Pizza lovers get it.
4: How did Edward Jones become one of the biggest financial service companies in the world? By not acting that way. Financial strategies, one-on-one advice, it's a big difference. And that's why Brad Wilson, your Edward Jones financial advisor, makes sense of investing. Experience the difference for yourself. Brad Wilson, 250 Sharon Drive in Woodway, 254-776-4337. Edward Jones, member SIPC.
1: Baylor alumni are more than 160,000 strong. When we all join hands to support our university, we don't just move the needle. We move mountains. Working together, we create life-changing opportunities for students on the field, in the classroom, in the laboratory, and in life for generations to come. So get connected. Get involved. Learn how at baylor.edu slash alumni. Ring in the new year with unbeatable savings on the new 2023 Ram Trucks during the the wrap-up-the-year sales event at Allen Samuels in Waco. Take advantage of this limited-time opportunity and start the new year in style. Shop our great selection in-store or online today.
6: Samantha Duvall, TexasBeefHouse.com in White House, Texas, just outside of Tyler in East Texas. Aged Wagyu beef and so much more you have on your ranch. And what is next?
7: We are planning another auction January 30th. This auction will be an in-person, online, also a live auction like we did the first time. When you come out to the ranch, dinner is going to be provided. It'll um, be a variety of steaks hamburger sausage tri-tip brisket roast all of the different wagyu cuts it's going to be on a Tuesday it's on January 30th and it'll kind of be your get ready for Valentine's dinner auction we
6: of course have a great relationship partnership with what you do how has the reaction been as your name and what you guys do at TexasBeefHouse.com grown
7: it has grown a lot over this last year I kind of made a joke at the beginning of 2023 and told my husband 2023 is going to be our year I don't know how it how what we're going to do but something with 2023 it's going to be our year and we started our auction so so many things have changed for us this year which has been for the better so we just want to tell all of our customers merry christmas happy new year and thank you so much for your continued support in the year of 2023 and we hope that you return to us in 2024
6: and they will repeat customers because the product is amazing aged wagyu beef texas beef (laughs) house.com
1: This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com.
2: The 5 o'clock hour is sponsored by Edward Jones Investments, with financial advisor Brad Wilson, investing his time and experience back to you and your money during today's changing times. Edward Jones, making sense of investing.
6: Now here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. Color analyst for Big Ten Network, but former Michigan Michigan man and in, uh, in Jake Butt joins us on 365 Sports with Craig and Paul, and I'm David Smoke. Uh, are you still dancing on clouds?
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, look, these, there's been a long time coming. It's been a few years in the making, and uh, only one of these every year. You know, only one team gets to say that they're the national champions, and um, – been quite the journey, too, for, for Coach Harbaugh and this Michigan football team. A roller coaster of a season, but hey, they got it done against a 14 0 Washington Huskies team that, you know, felt like destiny for them, too. You know, I'm sure Washington felt like their season was destiny, as did Michigan, but uh, Michigan was just too much, man. Clearly, the better better team. Is.
5: Jake, you uh, were a part of this build to this national title with Coach Harbaugh. When did you start to see this turn from building Michigan out of a, you know, a, in a mediocre bowl every year to a team that is now among college football's elite again.
0: Well, I, I really think you know, it, it started immediately when coach Harbaugh got there. I mean, seriously, right away we were elevated in 2014, the year before coach Harbaugh got to Michigan. I was a sophomore. We went 5 and 7. We didn't even make a bowl game. So, we weren't talking about a national championship. We weren't even talking about a conference title. We weren't even talking about a bowl game at that point in time. And I'll never forget that first spring ball when when Jim gets in there and he overhauls the staff, brought a lot of NFL experience, um, the the coaching, the scheme, and the development we had in that spring. I knew right away that you know why Jim Harbaugh was an expert in turning around programs. Um, we we you know our 2016 team. When we lost to Iowa on the road and we you know, the J T was short game, that team had a lot of talent. We had a chance to do something special. We fell short. But you could see that seeds were getting planted and it wasn't a linear path. You can go back to the COVID year where, shoot, ironically, a lot of Michigan fans wanted Jim Harbaugh gone, inspired. And thankfully for them, you know, the emotional fan doesn't make the doesn't get the final decision uh, you know, in Ann Arbor. But you know, it, it was a, it was not a linear path. Seeds were planted early on. We knew immediately that Jim Harbaugh was capable of great things. But, you know, finally, finally, after knocking on the door the past two seasons, finally he was able to break through.
4: So, Jake, they jump out early. It's 14 nothing. I think we're all thinking, oh, my gosh, this is going to be a blowout. Washington makes it interesting. And then Penix has the big turnover right after half. And then – Uh, Michigan slams the door shut there in the fourth just the style of that game the ebbs and flows just the the impactfulness of of various positions did that kind of go the way that you thought it was going to go or maybe what stood out to you about the the process of earning that win last night
0: no it actually did go the way I I thought if Michigan was going to win that was going to have to be the formula right there you got to run the football first and foremost um really Go back to the 2021 game, Ohio State versus Michigan, when Ohio State had C.J. Stroud, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Garrett Wilson, um, Chris Olave, a young Marvin Harrison Jr., very similar team makeup to this Washington team. Um, And the formula then was to rush the passer, run the football, and have opportune um, timing in the secondary when it came to making plays. Um, Michigan started off extremely. Close of running the football. Again, wasn't linear. Washington responded. But what really stood out to me is, you know, Washington's offensive line won the Joe Moore Award. They were voted the nation's top offensive line in college football. And a lot of people were curious, hey, can Michigan rush the passer? That's been one of their strengths all year. Can they get after Penix with this line standing in front of them? I felt they were going to be able to, and they were, thankfully for them. You know, it starts with the interior, Chris Jenkins, Mason Graham, Kenneth Grant. Those guys are 300-pound disruptors. They're big, they're strong, but they can move quickly. Um, and, and when they're able to rush the passer, that's when your secondary can play with a little bit more confidence. Of course, Will Johnson had the key interception coming out of half. He was challenged by Coach Harbaugh and that staff. They said, guys, we need someone to make a play to capture momentum. Uh, Will Johnson did exactly that. And then almost in poetic fashion, man, I know I'm dragging a little bit here, but in poetic fashion, the way the game ended with your senior, number zero, your captain, Mikey Thamer still, he seals the game with an interception and he's returning it all the way down. I'm glad he got tackled because the poetry then was your offensive senior, your offensive captain, your offensive leader, Blake Corum, gets to come in and do exactly what he's done all year, which is punch the ball in the end zone in the fourth quarter.
6: Yeah, he did. Uh, I, one of the things that's underrated to me watching the game, just as a, a guy watching the game, was how sure-handed, not receivers, but how really well Michigan tackled in open space in the defensive secondary.
0: Oh, yes. And, and what again, you got to give credit to Jesse Minter because I called some of their games, I called their Bowling Green game early in the year. Uh, it was about week. Three, I want to say it was right before coach Harbaugh got back and I asked coach Minster, I said hey man you know your defense was damn good last year really damn good one of the best in college football I said hey what are you focusing on where, where can you improve and he said really it's about the small details you know last year when they played TCU in the semifinal game I remember a play where, where Minster sent pressure and there was a shallow cross And uh, Max Duggan hit Quinton Johnson, and I think it was D.J. Turner who missed the tackle on third and seven. Had he made the tackle, Michigan had a chance to win the game. He missed the tackle. Quinton Johnson ran for 70 yards, and it was a touchdown. That was the difference in the semifinal game back in 2022. Well, you didn't see any missed tackles in the national title game last night. Those guys were extremely sure tackles. There was a couple times where there was a lot of space, and they made the plays that needed to be made, it's those little differences that are the difference between a good team, a great team, and a championship team.
5: Jake, what do you get the sense of when it comes to Coach Harbaugh's future at Michigan now that he's done what he set out to do? Uh, and if he does leave, is Sharon Moore, because of the job he did stepping in for Coach Harbaugh, I mean, does he, he pretty much have the job before they even interview
0: yeah, I don't know. I, I don't have a sense, to be honest with you, and I really don't know that I can trust anyone if they say they have a sense or a hunch of what Jim Har- what's going on in Jim Harbaugh's mind. <laughs> I, yeah. it's just, Jim Harbaugh's so unique. That's the one thing we all know to be true is, is really only Jim knows inside of his own mind. So I, I really don't have a hunch. I have been told every year for the past two or three years now, yep, Jim Harbaugh's going to the NFL. We'll see you later. And yet, he always comes back. So I, I do feel you laid it out nicely there. He's a, he's accomplished what he set out to accomplish at his alma mater, at his college, the University of Michigan. He brought him back to glory. He won a national title. He left the place better than he found it. Now the next goal is to go win a Super Bowl. And I think he's capable of doing it. But we will see the decision that gets made. Um, you know, he said in the press, we'll just, we'll just, soak this in and enjoy it for now. And uh, certainly he's earned the right to do that. Wherever he goes to coach, I'll be a supporter of him. He was great to me as a player. He was great to my family. Um, He's been excellent to me in my now post-playing career. Um, I I could not be happier for him. Wherever he goes to coach next, whatever his decision is, I will be a supporter.
6: You know, Jake, Michigan's a a massive alumni base. It's a huge school. The the ratings show how much – interest there is around the country and obviously the story throughout the year added to it and they were just really good great in fact because of the statistical part of it can you try to explain the pride of being a Michigan man but also of watching your alma mater and those who played there win the championship
0: yeah it's um it's it's the you know when I think about it it's um it's hard to put it into words but I'll tell you what I know I know how it makes me um, and it's, it's kind of like warm and warm and fuzzy, man. You know, it's it's kind of like it's kind of like when it's cold outside and you light a fire and you have a nice blanket and you're surrounded by you know your, your family and those that you love. It's it's one of those fa- feelings. Um, I also know you know there were some painful years in there. You know, I talk about before Coach Harbaugh got there, we were seven and six, we were five and seven. My sophomore year at Michigan, we were booed in our own stadium. We, our own crowd chanted to fire our head coach and to fire our athletic director. Those are tough times, man. Those are dark times. Um, that, that, that was painful. But the pain of that moment is equally proportional to the joy that we were able to experience last night. And what makes football so great is you have to be willing to endure the painful times. You have to be willing to continue to work and int- continue to press forward when you're in the middle of a storm or you're in the middle of a challenge. Michigan has done that. Jim Harbaugh has done that. Because on the other side of that storm is a promise that you have a chance to experience glory. And that's what they did last night, and I couldn't be happier
9: for them.
4: Jake, uh, how have you responded when you've come across, and I don't know how much maybe this has been brought up to you in person, but I'm sure you've seen that a lot of, it's weird, a lot of people with Buckeyes in their profile seem to say asterisk a lot or, you know, things like that. And there's obviously the story from this season, but how have you kind of taken that all in? And I guess, uh, how do you view sort of that conversation? And uh, do you feel like everybody was able to sh- shut up those kind of comments with the way that they played down the stretch?
0: Um, you know, I, I view it, with complete understanding and and expectations. Look, that's, that's, that's what I expect. It's a rivalry. I know Michigan fans, there'd be a percentage of them that would be doing the exact same thing. If the tables were turned, Um, Mm. I I, I get it. I understand why people may feel that way, but to me, I look at it and I say, I don't know how you could deny the fact that this was the best team in college football this year. And it's, very clear to me and very evident to me they won without their head coach on the road against the top 10 team in penn state when they find out he wasn't going to be their head coach just hours before they landed that was a gritty game you know then you're then you're in a trap game playing a, a darn good maryland team a trap game they've got that one done they're pl- then they're playing at home against ohio state And and Ohio State put all their chips on the table. That was a must-win, a critical game for Ryan Day and the Buckeyes. And they're without their head coach, Jim Harbaugh, once again. And yet, they get it done. You You handle business against the Iowa Hawkeye team. And then, you want to talk about this. Okay, so Jim Harbaugh served his time. He was suspended. Three games. Toughest part of their schedule. They get it done. Well, then you're playing Nick Saban in Alabama. And I don't care, no revisionist history here. I remember what was being said. It was Jim Harbaugh can't win playoff games. Nick Saban can. Nick Saban, this Alabama team, don't tell me that they weren't good because all week I heard about how good Alabama was. They said this is a different team. This Alabama team is a different team than the one that lost to Texas earlier in the year. They took down Georgia. They dominated Georgia. It's Nick Saban. He wins these games. Jim Harbaugh loses these games. Michigan is, you know, yes, they were the, the one-point favorite, but all the public money was on Alabama. Everyone expected Bama to win. And Michigan didn't even play their best game, and yet they were clearly the better team there. Dominated it when you really look at the tape. Finished the business against Washington. You know, there's a stack of evidence showing how great this team is. To me, that's what I'm focused on. and. And for the people that aren't going to see that and don't care to see that, that's fine. But I'm not I, and I'm not interested in having those conversations because to me, the season's been great. The players are great. The players deserve the praise. Um, they're they're high-character guys. Blake Corum, Mikey Sain, still J.J. McCarthy. You could go down the list. They're phenomenal human beings. They deserve all the credit and all the praise in the world.
5: Yeah, and, and Jake, I'll just foray to simplify it for people who are – asterisk people all you got to look at is from the moment that the connor stallions information came out if anybody had the same signs on film that they did the week before that then they're crazy because now you would have to be preparing knowing this was a possibility in your head so they did it without it too like even whatever happened like after that information came out there was no way that they had any of that going forward from those games on
0: Listen, and, and, and JJ McCarthy said this. I'm not, what I'm about to say is not to absolve Michigan from anything, you know, like Connor Stallion, based on what he's being accused of, but like those crossed the line. But every single team steals signs to some degree. Some of them are worse, some of them are better. There was an article that came out and it talked of you know, I think Bruce Feldman wrote it. And they talked about that there's an entire black market in the Big Ten conference where teams would share their knowledge of other teams' signs. And there was different tiers, you know, where some teams every Sunday morning they would call and exchange information. There was some teams that were completely unaware of it. But this is part of college football. You know, it cannot be denied to say, oh, everybody runs a clean program. Uh, It's all sunshine and roses. That's not the case. Again, you know, Jim Harbaugh paid the price. He was suspended. Connor Stallions is no longer with the team. But, you know, th- these kind of things happen in the game. There has to be consequences for action. Whether you think the three games was enough or not, that's up for debate. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is you can look at what happened this year on the field. You you don't, don't distrust your eyes. You just saw Michigan dominate Alabama and dominate a 14-0 Washington and they beat their rival Ohio State, and they went on the road and beat Penn State. Those kind of things, that Connor Stallions wasn't there. Jim Harbaugh wasn't even there for half of it. That cannot be taken away. It's been a It's, it's the way they finished this season. They've really set out to prove a point that they are the best team in college football. and I don't really see how you could argue against it.
6: Jake, great to have you on. Enjoy it. I know you are, and uh, really good stuff from you. We appreciate your time and continue great – Work with the Big Ten Network. Have a great day.
0: Thank you, man. Yeah, Jake, you guys too. Yes, we'll
6: sir. Jake Butt. Uh, also played in the NFL. Played under. Uh, cool to have the timing of it that he was there during the early Harbaugh years. Um, and and now gets to see from what he was a part of, part of the roots that were planted, and where they are now, as national champions.
4: Yeah, and I almost didn't ask that question. I was like, oh, things are going so nicely. I'm not going to bring up any bad, uh, bad vibes, but that's a part of the story. And I was curious to know kind of how he viewed all of that. And, and I think we got a heck of an answer uh, from Matt. So, great yeah, question I'm, I'm glad too. that we uh, got into that a little bit.
6: He is Caden Salter, the quarterback at Liberty. Tomorrow night in Tyler, the Earl Campbell Tyler Rose Award will have their announcement among five finalists in Caden Salter on his way into East Texas, joins us on 365 Sports. Caden, thank you for your time. What does it mean to you as a Texas kid to have your name involved in an Earl Campbell uh, as a finalist for the award?
10: Yeah, you know, it means a lot just knowing how many great players come out of the state of Texas playing in uh, college football. And for me, just to be one of the top, I mean, one of the five nominees out of Texas just means a lot and just shows how much hard work and, everything that I put in to get here. Caden, uh, you guys, you know, rolled through the regular
5: season undefeated at Liberty this year under Jamie Chadwell. That's a year after a coaching change from Hugh Freeze. How were you guys able to keep it all together, and what was the key between coaches and players and in, in, in keeping that chemistry that you you had from two years ago just to this year?
10: Yeah, you know, it was just all about brotherhood, just everybody sits together and being one, you know, the new coaches that came in, we just all, – all the current players that was there, we just built bonds with them. Then as the new players start coming in, we just continue just to build and grow bonds with each other, just do team events, have fun, play, and joke, joke around with each other, get to know each other. You know, everybody comes from different backgrounds. And at college, everybody comes from different parts of the world. So just just to be able to get to bond with each other and earn each other trust and know that we're going to come out and fight every weekend, For each other uh on the same team and go out every weekend and just fight and play uh play hard for each other and play as a brotherhood
4: and Caden we know you'll be back with the Flames next year you dipped into the portal there for a second can you kind of take us into just that sort of process and then ultimately deciding like hey I'm going to run it back with Liberty and kind of all that went into that
10: yeah it was just a lot going on with just maybe just how far just wanted to get my family uh more games and me coming up to closely ending my college career, just being able to try to get my family to come out to support me more, to uh, be able to come out to more games. And at some point, it was like, Liberty is my family. And just as long as my parents are able to come out and uh, my siblings are able to come out, and just a family and a brotherhood that I built at Liberty with the new staff and the new players, I just knew that it, it felt like home where I was at. And just to be back, be able to go there. And run it back and try to put up the outrageous numbers that I had this year again. Just means a lot uh, to be doing it with the same team.
6: Kaden, life is about different journeys and and going through things and learning and growing up and maturing. And you have certainly done that. What have you learned about yourself these last few years?
10: Oh uh, yeah, just knowing that I had to mature at the position that I play and. Uh, Just just the little mistakes that I made at a young age helped me grow and develop into who I am today. And and just being able to trust God, trust the process, and know that everything does happen for a reason. But when it happens, what what, God is really just trying to see like how you're going to bounce back from it. And just being able to bounce back from mistakes and everything just that just means a lot. Knowing that I that I I got the family to that be there for me all the time and. To push me forward at all times, knowing that I should not be looking back at all, and just just having God there with me, knowing that everything ain't happened for a reason, and I can get through it. Caden,
5: for those people who will never experience being a quarterback at the level that you are and have never experienced it. Can you try to describe and you may not be able to because it may just be a thing that's second nature to you, but the feeling of that split second decision you have to make as a quarterback when you make the play when you when you see that open receiver, when you see what's going to happen, you make that throw, you score the touchdown, what is that feeling
0: like? Yeah, you know, it is
10: it's just a good feeling knowing that you you, you sitting back there in alignment, the give you protection, or or you or you do guys go scramble around and you make that throw downfield, and it's even better when you make the throw downfield and you do get hit, and and it gets completed. You know, just throwing that touchdown, then hearing the crowd as you get hit or something throwing the touchdown, while getting hit, just hearing the crowd gets very exciting. Just that just makes you want to jump up and. Had so much joy for the, for your teammates and just go celebrate the touchdown with with your team.
6: How much does what happened in the ball game fuel you and the rest of your teammates who are coming back for next season?
10: Oh yeah, that just lets us know that how much work uh, we got to put in more. Like we we know how, how we know what it takes to get there, but we 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 know what it takes now to finish. And just just that whole experience was just very big for us. As a G5 program, being able to go play in such a big game like that and experience such great competition, just we just know how much grit that we gotta come out this offseason, come out get bigger and get stronger as a as a whole, and just know that we, we're gonna be there again, and next time we won't disappoint.
6: What is the pride of where you're from, uh, Cedar Hill, and the kind of career that area that? You know, Duncanville and DeSoto are rolling right now, but Cedar Hill is a part of the mix. They made a nice run at the end of the year to be from there where it was uh, such a great, successful program.
10: Oh, yeah. You know, just coming out of this long Saw state, of course, we, we're out in the district of doing with Cedar Hill, DeSoto, and Duncanville, uh, just playing against, the, against a great competition of collegiate-level uh, players that's going off to play such big levels of college football, uh, just Going out there playing against people that, that understands the game at such a young age and knowing what they're doing, that that helps you a lot. Just prepare for college and having having those coaches that's on you every day, like basically like college coaches, they're treating you like uh treating you like you're already a college player. The weight room, the offseason, season, the extra film and things like that. The the high school coaches out in this area just prepare you better for life and for college, just for life after high school and. In uh, college ball, so just just being able to grow up and play around such such big football supporters and people that knows what they're doing, uh, it was meant a lot and just most definitely helped me through my whole process.
6: Yeah, the district of doom—that's a great way to put it. And and uh, we did midway football, and they were a part of it for a couple of years and took a beating for a couple of years, like a lot of people do if they were a part of that district. Last thing for you: have you well two things? Have you ever met Earl Campbell? and what will it mean if, in fact, tomorrow your name is announced as the winner of that award?
10: No, sir, I've, I've never actually met him, but the, to get that award would just most definitely mean a lot. Like I said, it would most definitely show. Well, it wouldn't show, but I'd be able to tell just how much hard work and dedication that I put in, and it, it would it would most definitely be something that is honored to the best player the state of Texas, whether I get it or not. Our respect to the ple- to the person that gets it and just just glad that we're all we're our nominees for it and just shows how much work that we put in for this award.
6: Congratulations, Hayden! Thank you very much for your time. Be careful on the way in. Enjoy tomorrow and good luck. We appreciate you being a part of the show. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Caden Salter from Liberty uh, and also a finalist among the Earl Campbell Tyler Rose Award. The to dinner tomorrow night. Craig will be at the dinner tomorrow night. Five different finalists. And uh, he played at Cedar Hill and now, of course, has been the star quarterback at Liberty.
4: Yeah, I'll get to see uh, Caden tomorrow. I'll be uh, heading down to uh, Tyler to be a part of that banquet, see Earl and the Campbell family and uh, all the other uh, finalists, I think, are expected to be there. But that's uh, a pretty good crew. And it uh, seemed like at various points, like a Jalen Milrow maybe took the lead or this guy, Jonathan Brooks, was the early favorite, and then he gets hurt, and yep. so it just kind of – all evened out to where I think you've got a you know pretty good little crop of guys there as finalists with, obviously, uh, Caden there being from Cedar Hill. You got Ollie Gordon as well from uh, Oklahoma State. He's a Texas guy, Ashton Janti, uh, who was originally from Florida, but he played his high school ball in Texas. He's a military kid, so he moved around a little bit. I think he was in, like, Germany I want to say for a little while maybe but he was overseas for a little while growing up and eventually made his way to Texas for high school and played at Lone Star up in Frisco uh, so he's eligible as a result of, of playing in high school uh, here in Texas and Jalen Milrow obviously from uh, down the Houston area and then Jonathan Brooks who I, I know got hurt but uh, that was one of those where you couldn't go without a Longhorn and I think that You kind of were splitting hairs between all of the guys. I mean, given the year that they had, and I think he had such a strong start that the voters just felt like, yeah, he's deserving of a spot, at least at the final table. Mm -hmm. And had he played those final few games, I mean, maybe a lot's different. Uh, Not only his numbers, but maybe Texas is playing for the national title. Jonathan Brooks is healthy for all we know. But he'll be there, I, I expect. And so, yeah, that'll be a... A good crop of, of players I, representing the Lone Star State.
6: I think that maybe with him turning pro, that might yeah, affect maybe it's him being table, in attendance yeah. or not. But he, he was so good, despite missing the, the last, what, month of the year or whatever it was. But he was so good, and he still was a part of the finalist. And it, it was interesting to, to be a part of the vote. Craig's the one that does so much when it comes to the weekly nominations. And you fought for Gente quite a bit, the kid from Boise
4: State. Uh, yeah, I did, because... Special teams don't count, and an argument was being made for all-purpose yards. Well, if you take out special teams, he was the number one all-purpose yard player in the entire country. So that just seems to make sense. He had uh, a crazy year on the ground, but also had a big year receiving as well. Um, had a ton of touchdowns, a ton of yards, and was a big part of uh, Boise State's offense. George Helani, you know, picked up the slack when Janti was hurt, and he also had his own role. He was a big player in that bowl game, Helani was, more so than than Jancy was, but uh, no, he had a really solid year, and I just feel like sometimes he can get a little bit too Big 12-y because mm-hmm. that's where a lot of the Texas guys end up, and that's where a lot of the winners have come from because that's where most of the Texas guys end up. That's going to spread out now with the Longhorns and I think Sooners going to the SEC. That's definitely going to change things up. Uh, even though Oklahoma doesn't recruit Texas quite as frequently as they did one point in time, you know, even just a few years ago, but they'll still have their Texas kids. But yeah, that'll that'll shake up at least the conferences involved a little bit more of a balance than just being so heavy with the the Big Twelve guys. But yeah, I felt like a, a group of five player deserves the same nod as you know mm-hmm. anybody well, else, and so you got a, a couple of guys with uh, both Salter and uh, Janti as well.
6: He was at. 1,347 yards rushing, 14 scores, caught 43 passes, 569, almost 2,000 yards, as you mentioned, and five touchdowns. I'm glad he's a part of the list. It'll be announced tomorrow at a banquet in Tyler. Thanks to Cindy Smoke for setting that up with Caden Salter. When we come back, Paul Catalina and his top five. Hey, don't forget, again, every night, weeknight at 1030, it is 365 sports tonight on the CW. Emory is already using his magic on that, and the top five is next. Don's Humidor and Coffee Beans in the South, uh, in the Town West Shopping Center off of, in between Richland Drive and Valley Mills in Waco. Uh, they have a 48 foot walk in humidor loaded up with the great brands of cigars. I had a list in front of me, but I don't need it. Rocky Patel, Ashton, Macanudo, Padrone, Cohiba, My Father, La Fontana, CAO, yeah, and Perdomo, many of them. Uh, and on top of that, they have CBD product, which is called Dream. It's a gummy. You could take one. Uh, you, I take one at, at night, and not every night, but at night. And a lot of times, I like I have a lot on my mind with with me. That's like a little bit of a scrambled egg up there. And what you do is you learn. You take a gummy an hour before you go to sleep or 30 minutes, and you find yourself all of a sudden falling asleep and it's a much more comfortable sleep, and you don't toss and turn for 30 minutes or 45 minutes or an hour, and then it's 2 o'clock in the morning and you're miserable. And they also have, for bad days, chronic pain, really, really hard, chronic, tough pain. They have THC product for bad days if you are interested in that. All of that is what they can do and sell at Don Chumador with Ashley, Carol, and Cheyenne in the Townwood Shopping Center just off or between Richland Drive and Valley Mills in Waco.
5: Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has been proudly serving Texans across the state for over 60 years. Call 254-772-8090
6: to find an agent who will provide a free review of your auto, home, and life coverage. Boozer's is the wedding ring store and more. If you're ready to get engaged or already married and want to upgrade your wife's ring for a special anniversary, Boozer's is the place to go. With the largest selection of premier quality diamond engagement rings and wedding rings in Central Texas. They have seven cases with over 300 styles of rings from top designers like Natalie K. Choose from yellow, white, or rose gold, plus beautiful top quality loose diamonds. With an in-house jewelry, they can also custom make anything you want. Bring in a picture or draw in and- let Boozers create your one-of-a-kind pendant or ring. They can even use some of your old gold and diamond jewelry to create something new. At Boozers you'll find a great selection of quality timepieces and Boozers is the place for expert watch maintenance and repairs too. They specialize in expert Rolex watch repair for fine jewelry, watches, custom work and more. Go to Boozers on Valley Mills and Lake Air Drive in Waco.
1: It's time for Paul Catalina's Top 5, brought to you by Texas Beef House. Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from Texas Beef House. Unleash the flavor of Texas-raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. Top 5 ways Michigan built a champion.
5: Uh, You know, I like... Usually, you know, I don't think I've I recapped you know Georgia in the same way, um, but it is you. They are Michigan's a little bit unique in the modern era of college football, excuse me, because none of these classes were top five like they did it. I mean, they were they weren't bad classes. I mean, they were in the top 10, 12 most of the time, but they did it in Jim Harbaugh's image, and, and here's how: uh, number five, and I put this at five because. Um, it's something they needed, but it wasn't something that was, I think, the most important to what they did. And that's a winner at QB. They had the perfect guy for the Michigan system in in JJ McCarthy. And we said it early in the show. I think sometimes he's easy to forget about, or he because he's not Michael Penix or Bo Nix or any of these other, you know, kind of big time quarterbacks, statistically, you forget he's there, but he makes plays when he needs to, and he's very consistent, he's more than a bus driver, I I think that that's true, but he's not, like, there's nothing spectacular, but also, they don't really have to use all the, like, you know, he's a golfer who can play with three clubs, you know, it's just like, yeah, give him a
6: putter, a wedge, and a driver, or a four iron, or something, And
5: he's fine, you know, it's just kind of how it works uh, for J.J. McCarthy, but they had a lot of guys that came in and were kind of okay fits, but... J.J. McCarthy was the perfect Harbaugh quarterback.
4: Yeah, he was highly rated coming out of high school for a reason. I mean, the guy's got skills, but, again, I was just sitting there last night going, like, yeah, this is the maybe least heralded national championship quarterback, and I know Georgia could probably make a case for that here recently, actually, but we've kind of been on that run where you haven't necessarily had to have the star – like the Michael Penix, the guy who does everything for you. It's about the team. And mm-hmm. Michigan had a great team, and they had a great fit at quarterback and a, a really great leader and playmaker when they needed him to be. Like last night when things were getting a little dicey, they need him to do something. He breaks off one run that turns into you know a couple of runs that all of a sudden has got – uh, Washington on their heels again, So, uh, and, and picking up some big yardage and, and running time off that clock. So, yeah, he he had his moments. He didn't have to be the man, though, for them last night. But when they needed him to make a play for them, he was able to make some plays for them.
6: That, again, down inside their 10-yard line, and game was on the line. And that run he made was not just a 10- or 12-yard run. He, he picked up about 30 and, and looked good doing it.
5: Uh, they made smart portal additions uh, along the way. Uh, AJ Barner, their tight one of their tight ends, really good, uh, steady player, but he wasn't like he's the second tight end behind Colton Loveland. And uh, yeah, they used
6: uh, three and four. Now
5: uh, the the two biggest ones they made uh, that were really smart were Ladarius Henderson, their fantastic tackle, and Drake Nugent, their fantastic center. Those are NFL players they added along the offensive line. They just made. It wasn't like you, know, you go through last year's you know portal editions and um, and even the year before like they're short on the the spectacular the oh my gosh the this sexy. Guy, the but they were very, very efficient and they're very good. Of course, Ladarius Handard and Drake Nugent alone, those are NFL offensive linemen. They usually don't just, you know, pluck those off the tree. Uh and they've they just everything they every move they made in that regard worked out. And it wasn't they built their team through their own recruiting and supplemented through the portal. And if you get inverse, it's like, you know, the Cleveland Browns have $150 million of cap room. So just you know, Use it. go on a bender and yeah. send it to everybody. Well, that's not always the best thing. Sometimes maybe you should pull some of that back and,
6: and be smarter with it. They were just very smart in the way they built this roster. No doubt that sometimes everyone looks at the sexy, but it's the ones that are the the ones that fill the gap and not just depth, but somebody who can start that makes a difference that not everybody sees. Yeah. Number three.
5: A veteran team. This team played together for a long time. Uh, This was they didn't the guys they lost that they lose in the portal. uh, They didn't lose anybody that was that was super crucial. I think Eric All, who went to uh, was a very good tight end at Iowa, was probably the biggest one that they've lost over the last couple years. But this team, for the most part, played together for a long time. Blake Corum came back uh, after an injury last year at uh, the running back position and did what he did this year. They just. All were together for so long that this, um, this ending almost seems inevitable when you think about how you, know, you have older players that stick together through college sports longer than they have the last few years because of COVID and because of now NIL and things that are making teams stick. This veteran team showed uh, why it's good to have juniors and seniors littering your roster because they can control games.
4: Yeah, I think we've seen the benefits. Uh, TCU even last year coming yep. up short was a very veteran laden team. Um, you know, Baylor a couple years back, very veteran laden yep. team. And I'm not talking national titles, obviously, but I'm talking about conference championships. That we can go down the finished line. Finished number TCU, five in
6: the country. Yeah. yeah, I
4: mean they finished top five that year. TCU obviously was national runner up. Uh, but yeah, the the older and uh, more uh, I guess experienced you are is is going to be a huge benefit. And I, I do wonder. Uh, and watching them last night, and I saw this posed by just someone completely random that I, I came across skimming through Twitter. But I was thinking the same thing uh, a week or so ago, and just thinking about college football in the future of with NIL, and you know, there's even talks about like raising the scholarship limits and all the things that are going in favor of just how much are people going to now be stacking depth as much as, as humanly possible to to replicate what a, a Michigan was able to do? Because you're like not necessarily the, the sexy wide receiver, but just solid Another, and yeah. deep and experienced and, which, and all of those things. And that's what seems to be paying off in this era is being deep and experienced and aged and, 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 and all those things.
6: Which is almost a throwback to the 50s, 60s, and 70s when there were no scholarship limits and the elite schools, the Blue Bloods would have – 185 guys on their roster so that 90 of them wouldn't be playing against them.
5: Yeah. Yeah. I I always – when you mention that, I always think about the line in Rudy where the one guy is like, I had scholarships to three Big Ten schools, but Mm -hmm. my dad was a legacy here, so I had to come, and he was just one of the last guys on the roster at Notre Dame. Um, He had a scholarship, but he was barely more important than Rudy was. And um, that's because there were you know not scholarship limits. But, yeah, that's – so now, yeah, there's – I, and I think if you look at the – if you look around at the coaches that are trying to mimic this, like, yes, you're going to see Ohio State adding a Quinchon Judkins or what Ole Miss is doing in the portal, but the ones who are going to be really good at it for the long term are the ones who are like, you know what? Um, yeah, I need I need a veteran left guard right now, and while this guy might not be a third-round draft pick, he's a good college player, and I need him to keep my quarterback upright, and it's those things that they that they're really good at. Number two, players were in lockstep with the coaches. At no point did the chemistry on this team ever waver, and this team had some off-field issues of their own making. Of the coaching staff's own making. Connor Stallions, whatever you think about it, was of Jim Harbaugh's making. I mean, this was a decision that they made to bring this stalker in and let him do what he did. And however that works out and ends it, um, it could have been a terrible distraction to this team. And instead of letting it distract them, they used that as fuel. as like, oh, you think we're only good because yeah. we know what's coming? Well, guess what? Yeah, here's what we're going to do. Now, I do think this I think the thing that's going to bother me the most about it is was there a game when they had all that information that maybe they didn't start out as well that a team that would have had it would have maybe lost. Maybe that's where it sticks to me, but for the most part, I'm, uh, I don't like it, but I'm more impressed with the fact that they
6: were able to overcome it and move through in the way that they were, especially from the players. McCarthy's end. numbers dropped at the end of the year, but, my God, they also faced Penn State, Michigan, and others, uh, Alabama, at the end of the year. I'm not so sure in the end that the drama did not, it, it, like, invigorate... Uh, galvanize. Galvanize. There's that word. I think somebody used it yesterday. Galvanize them. Because there was never any kind of, like, leakage. You never really saw any kind of, like, man, oil. they're leaking oil at any time. Even when they were pushed, I thought they did incredibly well.
4: Yeah, I'm pretty sure that when all that was happening, I was of the opinion of, well, of course teams are cheating. I mean, that's kind of what I felt like because it's college football. You mean to tell me that somebody's looking to get an advantage. Oh my God, I can't believe it in college football. No way. Like, so I wasn't surprised by the fact that there was something potentially going on. Um, But you know, to, to their critics, I mean, they did go down that stretch. Harbaugh served a suspension and they kept on winning. And so that's all you could do from their standpoint. And that's what they did. And so, you know, everybody, whoever wants to say, can say whatever they want to say. But Michigan's gonna be next to twenty twenty three national champions in football for the remainder of time and there's not going to be an asterisk. There's not I'm, gonna be
6: a Reggie Bush there, USC C O no, four. There's not whatever. gonna be no. any of
4: that. I mean, as far as we could tell unless there's some super smoking gun, but at that point you would at this point you would have heard about that. So yeah, I mean there, there will be naysayers, but I feel like there is even for teams who do it. Like, there's teams that even with Georgia last year, like, yeah, but they, you know, like, so that's going to be part of the deal, and I don't think Michigan fans are too worried about that, and nor should they be, really, no. after last night. No,
5: And number one. The best offensive and defensive line combo in America. Mm-hmm. That's that's yeah, how you do sure. it. They were very, again, veteran-laden. Look, I, I guess um, Mason Graham's coming back next year. I mean, they're going to lose Chris Jenkins. Uh, but, you know, they lost Mozzie Smith and didn't miss a step. So their uh, building up front has been second to none. And that is good old-school Michigan football that they did. And... Uh, they were just so dominant up front and again without you know they didn't have a you know Dallas Turner or Jared Verse type pass rusher that was racking up sacks it's just they just stuffed you every no. time and it was they like
6: they got their hands on you and I know mm-hmm. an offensive line but they got on you were like velcro mm-hmm. they and they 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 just beat you up and and it wasn't always flawless but it was it was impressive.
4: Well, they left uh, Washington limping out of that building last night. Uh, at least their star quarterback—they left him dinged up and, and bruised up. And yeah, they were—they when they got their hands on you, they brought you down. There wasn't missed tackles or missed. A, there was a very solid football team and uh, very well coached. As much as people want to hate to hear that, but it's true. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't just assign credit to Harbaugh; it assigns credit to everybody on that staff. Um, I, I do hate though the the one part that I will hate about going back to number two is if. I've kind of avoided the whole Stallions thing ever since it yeah. happened. I don't like the whole port. I, I don't. I don't want any part of that or to entertain any of it or you know whatever. So I, I hope it doesn't become a thing where it's like now a goofy like oh here's Connor Stallions. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. I, just, I don't want them to make a, a mockery of it um, because I think that would take away and, and kind of spit in the face of you know some of uh, of those who did do it the right way or just kind of the way that they went about it. Like yeah, leave him. Exit stage left for, for good from now on. But, uh, yeah, saw the, the, I guess, response. He had a meme or something or a, a gif that he put out last night. And I, I'm going to go back to staying away from that. But yeah. it, it was inevitable I, there would be a comment of some oh, sort, yeah, look, and, and they need to move on.
5: Look, the buying tickets and shooting on your cell phone was one thing. But when he's scamming his way on a Central Michigan sideline, that is, yeah. that, that's kind of a new level. Yeah. Of, but... Um, Seriously, like, and he was in the military and then left. I kind of think the military. Maybe
4: he's a little nuts. Maybe they don't want him back. But uh, he, <laughs> I don't know. He's but, celebrating last night, though. Yeah, I'm, just saying, I, I'm just saying he I don't want him he to be there. A, a regular part of my yeah. entertainment routine when it no. comes to college football. No, no thanks. No,
6: it was, it yeah. was. I'd rather it. Uh, yeah, I would rather it not. Let's be just celebrate a part of Michigan football Garrett, and what they did. Yeah. Uh, Mason Smith, did he good? Um, he he could be, but he's I don't a, think he's, he's headed to the NFL. Yeah, and I just, I just, yeah. well, I was just trying to. Well, I didn't know. Also, Jace McClellan, running back at Alabama, he's a uh, uh, Alito, great player in high school in Texas, headed to the NFL. I want to say happy birthday to Leslie, that's retired stockbroker's wife. She's also a Michigan girl. She was a go big blue. Congratulations on her birthday present. The team she loves winning the national title. Sorry, I did not mention that yesterday on actually the birthday. All right, Emery Winter, thank you so much. Jack McKenzie, Baylor and BYU tonight. Uh, The game will be tipped off at six, uh, eight o'clock, eight o'clock at the Foster Pavilion. Garrett Ross, thank you, sir. Craig Smoke, thank you. Paul Catalina, thank you. Our sponsors, thank you. And you, of course, in the chat. And also the text line, we'll get to whatever we couldn't get to We'll do that tomorrow, and thanks to the Super Chats today from Kim, retired stockbroker, among many others. I'm David Smoke. Good night, 365 Sports.
2: Ideal MRI is a small family business right here in Central Texas. We're open to support you while lowering the cost of health care bills. When you need an MRI,